Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Permissible for an adult to have a sexual relationship with a child Recorded. because Five. such a thing does not exist. Okay, strike that. Such a thing does not exist outside of Islam. There we go. I, okay, I'm sorry. I, 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 I couldn't let that go because, well, this is the law school segment. And under Islam, Sharia law, this sort of relationship is perfectly acceptable. But not under American jurisprudence. And that is why it is called rape. When we refuse to name that for what it is, then we continue to send a very dangerous message to our boys, which is that they are not capable of being raped. They are incapable of being victimized in this way. Full stop. Think about that. They are incapable of being victimized in this way. Now, there's more. Think about this, my friends. If they are incapable of being victimized in this way, it also means and leads to the culture that we have today where fully 49% of all non-retaliated domestic abuse situations are initiated by the woman. Because the man can't be a victim. Same thing, my friends. We are in absolute doo-doo, if you will, when it comes to talking about rape as a society anyway. Why? Because we live in a society where judges can decide that, and I kid you not, my friends, this is an actual headline, that a deceased 14 Teen-year-old female rape victims, well, they have control over their own rapes without a hint of irony. But at least that story horrified some people. Girls and women tend not to report their rapes because they're afraid of being painted as liars. Boys who say they aren't that they are raped aren't painted as liars. They're painted as being positively delusional. What? After all, what teenage boy wouldn't just love to get lucky early on? That's not disgusting. After all, that's macho and studly. Which, of course, means that if you don't love it, either during the abuse or later as a survivor... You're weak and effeminate. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Okay, we got an instant message. Let's see what we got here. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, it's it's just a message. It's also true. So, anyway, I'm not sure exactly what is also true, but anyway, if by chance you're less than enthused about having to raise a child you weren't able to consent to conceiving, would you come forward and say so? Would you want to be the boy who isn't man enough to know a good thing when he sees it? Hmm. Every single time we give a female abuser a lighter sentence than her male counterpart, or we give her male victim a BS civil award, well, we fail our boys. We ask them to shut up and enjoy their abuse. See, there's a reason that we make laws about the age of consent. Imagine yourself at 13. Imagine your daughter. Imagine your son. Were you ready for sex then? Were they or will they be? Will we make exceptions in Romeo and Juliet laws because we acknowledge that a three-year difference puts two people at a similar sexual and emotional age of immaturity? We do not make exceptions for 11-year age gaps when one person is a child because that is not two consenting adults or even two, quote, consenting juveniles, end quote. That is a child incapable of giving their consent and a predator taking advantage of it. It's long past time to get pissed off when a young boy is abused by an older woman. The conversation about males and females being affected differently by rape is tired and inaccurate. The psychological effects of child sexual abuse, statutory rape, and sexual assault are real, and they aren't pretty. The more we treat Alexandria Vera's alleged crimes and those of her victim's family as soap opera fodder and comedy and not the actions of an unhinged pedophile and complete parental failure, the more complicit we are in the continued despicable treatment of male victims. And we've effectively made it virtually impossible for young men and boys to say enough. We owe it to them to say it for them, loudly and repeatedly, until, as a society, we fixed what we've wrecked. Now, I'm going to disagree with this article in only one way. We have not wrecked it, my friends. Modern feminism has wrecked it because without the effects of modern feminism, this would not have happened. Absolutely would not have happened, my friends. So because we allow... uh, Okay, I'm being asked again about the Romeo and Juliet laws. And and yes, I I acknowledge that Romeo and Juliet, uh, just again, three-year laws. If the boy is 11 and the girl is 11, 12, 13, 14, you know, three years or less difference, that's the Romeo and Juliet laws. But this is not that situation. The boy was 11, 
or 13, excuse me, 13 and 13, 14, 15, 16, you know, the, the three-year law, you know, right? But the boy was 13. The teacher was an adult, 11 years older. That's not a Romeo and Juliet situation. But back to the point. We will never be able to fix what we've wrecked because that's the result that we've had. Exactly. Exactly what we've had. We have this result as a result of feminism because of the effemination of man. We, as I started out the show, for those of you that were here at the beginning of the show, one of the things I talked about right near the top of the show, a whole university is banning the use of the word man, even. Can't talk about man because that's dangerous. Can't do that because it's demeaning to women. Oh, no, 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 we can't do that. And that's what we have going for us. Okay, one more time here, really fast before the music starts playing. Next week, the 10th, I should be here, but the following week, the 17th, it's going to take me all day. I actually had two choices for a plane flight one that would take me directly home, but leaving late in the afternoon day on Monday, the 17th, or a flight leaving earlier, but taking me to New York for an 18-hour stay and then bringing me home, uh, I chose the other one, not going to New York and then waiting 18 hours and then flying home, because I wouldn't have arrived home until actually Tuesday on that one. So, um, I won't be here on the 17th, so just to let you know. But my friends, in the meantime, as always, keep your eyes peeled. Watch what's going on. Use your critical thinking skills. Challenge your friends, your family, your loved ones to engage in critical thinking. And if we do, if we get enough of us, enough of a critical core, well, we can take this country back and we can take sanity back to this country. But it won't be easy. I can guarantee you that. It won't be easy. It can be done. Okay, that wraps up this edition of the Constitutional Crusaders Show. Until next week, my friends, unless the creek rises or they come and take me away again, my fellow Americans, keep your powder dry.
The political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time, I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preserve, or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
right, good evening, folks, and welcome once again to another edition of the Contenders for the Faith radio broadcast. I am Pastor Anthony Grissy, broadcasting to you live from a balmy, balmy state of Arizona. Just beautiful, because this is the best time of year to be out here. My favorite time of year. Not even Halloween can ruin the month of October for me. Not only is... Um, not only is the weather just right, the, uh, the, the rain has kind of died down a little bit, but the elk are screaming, oh, the temperatures are in the 70s, and we start a hunt this Friday, which, let me just say this, folks, if my son doesn't have a cow elk, by next week, Monday, we will be out in the field, and Jason will just have to take the show all, her, all, all himself. All right, so th- th- this is just my favorite time of year, and we are just having an absolute blast. If you're in the Payson area, you're in the Payson, Arizona area. That is the heart of the state. You come on down Main Street. We're Payson First Baptist Church. You can check us out. We're still standing for the Lord Jesus Christ, still preaching the gospel, uh, still sing the old hymns, still preach on holiness and separation, try to be against just about everything, and uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. We've been having a blast out in the street corners. We've been going out every week now uh, around Payson and um, just, just, just trying to get the gospel out. We're not, we're not protesting abortion. We're not protesting sodomites. All we're doing is preaching Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And you would be amazed, even in this uh, uh, tranquil town, how quickly people get upset. And boy, we faced one yesterday. Uh, just came. He was furious, steaming at us. And of course, he assumed that we were against abortion, which we are, and against sodomites, Jason. I mean, he, but that's what we, we weren't preaching those things. We were just preaching Jesus. And immediately said, so abortion is wrong. <laughs> it's their conscience. It's their conscience. It just gets to him. And he was so mad when we were done with the conversation. And he said this, Jason. He said, I have never sinned. How dare you call me a sinner? I looked at him and said, you you got to be kidding, right? You've never made a mistake? Never. I've never made a mistake. This guy wasn't Wow. I mean, he wasn't one right. of those. Well, he's a, he, yeah, I guess he would be a nut. But, I mean, he seemed like a rational thinking human being until he got to that point. He was so mad. He went to one of our boys. He had a cup of whatever he was drinking. And he dumped the kid's cup. <laughs> I just, this, this guy was a former Marine. I mean, this, he's, he looked like he was in his late 30s. And, I mean, just he's just going to prove it to our boys. Or dump your drink out. What do you think about that? And uh, that's just simply for preaching the wow. gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We were right on 87 and Main Street, Jason. All the traffic coming out of town. We wait for the light to turn red, and then we start preaching. Just having the time of our lives, man. Uh, I, I'm telling you right now, Jason, I'm living the dream. This is what I live for, seeing the boys out there fearless, and it just it just thrills my soul. So if you're ever in the Payson area, guys, you come out, visit us, you might even catch some of the boys out there holding signs and just preaching the gospel. Um, but, you know, Jason, the town uh, officials aren't upset with us. Uh, we had a sheriff drive by, gave us a thumb, thumbs up, and he said, this is good. That's fine. Keep doing it. So, hey, praise the Lord. But if you didn't give us a thumbs up, we'd have kept Yeah, you'd do it anyway. <laughs> That's exactly, exactly right. You know. But, uh, well, right. 
Well, praise the Lord. You know, there needs to be a gospel witness, and uh, that's a captive audience coming up. I I can remember the, uh, the amount of traffic coming up that hill and then going back down on the weekends. Yep. And uh, what an excellent opportunity. I can remember being out there. Uh, well, we were out there one time, and I had my kids. They were quite a bit smaller. And a lady stopped in the middle of the highway, got out, and uh, berated me and Amy for having our little kids out there holding signs out because it was so I dangerous. That. So. That could be a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> it actually is. Once you get over the self-consciousness and, uh, you know, everybody's looking at me and all that kind of stuff, um, it gets to be to where you realize that at least for some people you're making a difference because you can go out time and time and time again, and sometimes you don't get any sort of positive response. But then there are those times where those people have been put in your way by the Lord, yep. that you can give them the gospel, that that they say, you know, I was just uh, I was just see- seeking, I was just searching. Tell me more, and uh, you know what? That's a that's what we live for, Pastor, to serve exactly. Jesus Christ on this earth. If we're going to be Christians that just put ourselves in a closet and not do anything, I mean, first of all, how ungodly is that? But second of all, how boring is that? <laughs> You're exactly right. You're exactly right, and it would be boring. Good night, man. This is this. It, look, it's it's good for us to go through a little opposition. I mean, uh, come on, he spilled the kid's drink. That's not persecution, but you know, it's, it's probably some definition of assault. But you know, it's definitely <laughs> yeah, I not know. persecution. <laughs> I mean, the guy was upset. Uh, Why was he upset? Now these guys, they claim to not believe in God, and yet when things when they come across somebody preaching Christ. They get so upset. I have never I once in my entire life been livid with the tooth fairy. <laughs> I don't believe the tooth fairy exists. Why would I fight the tooth fairy? That's what gets me about you know uh, uh, Richard Dawkins and and these types of guys is that they rail against something that they believe doesn't exist, which is just amazing to me. Yep. It, it, well, it's it's their conscience. It's not quite seared. And that Bible is so powerful. The Word of God is quick and powerful, is what the Scriptures teach in Hebrews 4.12. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That book is so powerful. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Uh, the Word of God does not, does not ever return void. So it's so powerful. It cuts through all that junk that's in them. It gets to the heart, and it just shakes them to their core. Now, I tell our boys, Jason, when we get out there, and they say, well, what if we can't think of anything to say? So just quote the Scriptures then. Give the Scriptures Amen. out. And, and you, you, I mean, they might not even understand what you're saying, but once you quote that Bible, and that's what this guy's biggest argument was, you're saying that Bible's the authority over me. And I said, yes, that's exactly it. Oh, he was furious <laughs> at that. Why can't I be an authority? To which I said, you would count yourself as an authority? He goes, well, yeah. I said, have you ever made a mistake? Never. I said, come on, man. <laughs> come on. But anyway. Well, he was trying to remain consistent, I suppose. But yeah. uh, it is. How the heathen rage, Pastor. And uh, yeah. it'll be that way until the Lord comes back. Always. That's exactly right. 1-800-932-1980 is the call and number for our show. We're a show that's dedicated to tackling controversy and conspiracy directly related to Christianity. We do all this from a biblical perspective because we believe the Bible is our final authority in all matters of faith and practice. We are called the contenders for the faith, guys, because the Bible tells us to earnestly contend for the faith. And there are some times where you need to be contentious for the faith. That's it. 
I mean, there's there's enough watered-down Christianity, which we'll talk about in the second half of the broadcast. There's enough watered-down preachers out there that won't contend for anything except for the liberal agenda. What we need is people that will stand and contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. And you ain't going to know the faith unless you get that book. That book is the most important issue. And speaking of the book, it affects everything that we do in church. From politics, pop culture, polity, everything we do, it must be aligned with the book. And I've got a letter. I don't know if other pastors received this, Jason, but this is a letter written by uh, Reverend Barry W. Lim. Now, I, I do have a problem when a preacher puts Reverend before the church name, because the Bible says, or before his own name, excuse me, uh, because the Bible says holy and reverend is his name. That's why we're never called reverends. Not anybody who believes the book, anyways. We're just preachers. You can call me preacher, you can call me Anthony, all right? But do not call me reverend, because that only belongs to our Lord God. But Barry Lim is the executive director of the Americans United for Separation of Church and State. And Jason, I felt like we should read this because um, it's uh, it's kind of a contradiction in one in one sense. The fact that the guy who's writing it actually doesn't believe the Bible, but what he is saying is true. He's right. So it's coming from a guy who doesn't even believe in a literal hell. Barry Lynn, literally, uh, before Congress was asked whether he believed if a man rejected Jesus Christ, they would go to hell. And he said, well, first of all, I don't believe in hell. Second of all, he says there are other ways to get to God. So this guy is hardly a reverend, hardly a preacher, hardly anything that the Bible would consider a pastor. Um, but he is the executive director of Americans for United for Separation Church and State. And in this letter, well, actually, let me read a, a little bit of it, Jason. I, I just got a comment on it because sometimes I think Christians... We'll look at a thing like this, and they'll look at the guy, and they'll say, "Oh, that ain't right." And they'll and they'll 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 take a right stand, or they'll take a right stand, but it's it's for the wrong reasons, um, and it and it ends up being wrong, even though it would have been right, except for the fact that they already made several mistake, mistakes up to that point. Now I'll, I'll make this clear in just a minute. It goes like this. Dear religious leader, you may have heard a great deal of talk this election season from politicians who want to repeal something known as the Johnson Amendment, which they claim prohibits clergy from speaking freely in their pulpits. I would like to clarify some misconceptions that are circulating about this amendment and offer you tips that all houses of worship would be wise to follow when it comes to engaging in political activity. Now, Jason, I have to stop right there. There is one thing that we know is definitely wrong with Barry Lynn's letter, and that is this. He, he lumps all churches— yeah. That includes unregistered churches. He makes no exception for unregistered churches. So, uh, folks, before you point it out, just understand that this guy is not a Bible believer, and he can't make this distinction. He thinks all churches should be silent as far as politicians are concerned. But anyway, he says this. Claims have been made that the Johnson Amendment prohibits clergy from discussing political issues in the pulpit. This is not true. Johnson Amendment, which was backed by then U.S. Senator Lyndon Johnson in 1954, is an amendment to the federal tax code that makes it illegal for houses of worship and other 501c3 nonprofits to endorse or oppose candidates for public office. That means houses of worship may not use their resources directly or indirectly to assist a candidate running for election or work to defeat a candidate. Now, this, 
I don't know if you checked this out or not, Jason, but this is something I just learned. Um, the Johnson Amendment uh, was only uh, in opposition to someone in uh, to a church, a 501c3 church, endorsing a candidate. And then in 1984, they amended the Johnson Amendment to where you could not you can neither endorse nor oppose a candidate. So up to 1984, uh, you couldn't endorse, um, but you could at least say, no, don't vote for this guy and don't vote for this guy. After 1984, the law was amended, and now it is you can't say neither good or bad. You can't, you can't endorse and you can't oppose. I don't, did you check that out yet? Uh, no, I haven't checked that out yet, but of course I'm familiar with the Johnson Amendment. Um, the fact is that they can pull your 501c3 status if you spend more than 5% of your time, I believe, uh, on the political on political su- topics and subjects within your sermons. The only way they'd be able to find that out, of course, is to get your recordings or to subpoena your, uh, your sermons. And so, you know, um, I don't know. I guess they would have to put a church under surveillance in order to be able to determine whether they broke the law in this matter or not. The fact is that there have been, oh, maybe only two cases throughout the history since 1984 where this was actually pressed. Yeah. Well, he brings that up as well. Let me continue reading this. The amendment, which is now part of federal law, is designed to prevent houses of worship and, not, and other nonprofit tax-exempt entities from behaving like political action committees. It does not ban all forms of political activity. However, for example, houses of worship and other nonprofits are free to sponsor voter registration drives and candidate forums, and we know all that. He said, additionally, your ministry may speak out about ballot referenda and engage in other forms of issue advocacy. Clergy may even offer personal endorsements of candidates away from their pulpits as long as no ministry resources are used to help get a candidate elected to office uh, or defeated in an election. He said you should be aware that some national organizations have been urging religious leaders to engage in problematic activities. For example, you may be asked to distribute voter guides during services or make them available at your congregants. I urge you to be very wary of such overtures. These voter guides are often little more than barely disguised partisan materials intended well, to promote of course one this guy, over others. Since 1992, this guy has been trying to pull down true Bible-believing churches, oh, and sure. he's been trying to do it through this way. So, of course, he's going to say all of this. It's funny, isn't it, that this guy has been fighting against churches since 1992, and suddenly he comes up and he wants to be a friend to the churches and show them uh, how they can stay out of trouble. Isn't that interesting? It is, and bottom line is he doesn't know what a church is to begin with. Uh, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't even believe the book, all right? So um, he's way out there. Well, in, other, in other words, there's a political reason for him to want to do this, which sure. is kind of ironic, I guess, in the in the true definition. It is possible that his his pockets are being lined by someone, and I I I don't think that's a long shot. All right, and I I do think that this guy is as corrupt as can be. But he is bringing up a valid point. He said you sh- um, he said in addition you may have been contacted by organizations that have prodded you to break the law by openly endorsing or opposing candidates as part of an effort to protect pulpit freedom. It is irresponsible for any group, especially one that is legal in nature, to knowingly urge someone to break the law. And if the IRS chooses to investigate, it will be your house of worship, not the outside organization, which will bear the brunt. Finally, you may have heard that the IRS is no longer enforcing the rules that govern political activity by churches. But that is a risky assumption. As part of a 2014 settlement, 
government and federal lawsuit, the tax agency disclosed that it has mechanisms in place for enforcing the law in this area. As long as your house of worship plays by the rules, it has nothing to fear from the IRS. The rules were put in place to protect the integrity of tax-exempt groups and ensure that tax exemption – now watch this. This is so good. Man, I'm so glad you put this in there. That tax <laughs> exemption, which is a lucrative benefit, is not abused. This letter is for educational purposes and is not intended as a substitute for formal legal advice. I urge you to consult with your legal counsel if you have specific <laughs> questions. To learn more about issues concerning religion and politics, please visit our website, projectfairplay.org. Uh, love it. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't love add it. that. I couldn't, have, I, couldn't, I couldn't help but add that. The small so, print, yes. <laughs> In other words, we're not a lawyer. We're just acting like one, and, and we're just doing you a favor by warning you that you could go to prison. It's like those things you get every six months in the mail at the church, you yeah. know, that's got that uh, – what, what are those guys called? You know, you don't want to see your pastor go to prison. It's got a picture yeah. of a of a pastor in handcuffs. It's kind of funny. So anyway, he he falls in with that, but uh, but he's made a, a distinct turn here. Yes, he is correct that if you're going to agree to be tax exempt, that you ought to follow the rules because you bound yourself to your own hurt. Um, do something about it, right? Uh, uh, reject being 501c3. Reject being a, an incorporated church if you are not going to follow the policies. But these pastors, they want their cake and to eat it too. They want their money, and they want to be able to do whatever they want. Well, it doesn't work that way with regard to putting your church under the authority of the state. Yeah. That's exactly right. And when you go to projectfairplay.org, he points out that it's not right if you're receiving government subsidies – um, you know, to, to, to endorse a candidate and to get politically active when you're receiving something from the government as like a subsidy. And he calls it for what it is. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. You know, Jason, if they really want to endorse a candidate, which um, Pete Garlow out there in California, he's one of the ones that he was one of the driving forces behind Pulpit Freedom Sunday, where, you know, during uh, it was uh, four years ago, when Obama was running for a second term, he encouraged pastors across the country to defy the, the Johnson Amendment. And, and he said, if we get a bunch of us defying that Johnson Amendment, he said, then you know, we'll make a difference in this country. And the IRS will be so overwhelmed that she can't, she can't, uh, she can't prosecute all of us, which <laughs> come on, guys, it's the IRS. Believe me. They have a long enough arm. If they wanted to, they would do it, and they'd find a way. They've got all the money, all right? But Pete Garlow, I appreciate him coming out publicly and, and getting involved politically, but he really can't do what he's doing um, as as you know a recipient of uh, government subsidies as a 501c3 a tax-exempt church. So if he really wants to do this, he needs to become an unregistered church. I mean, if it's that right. big of a deal. Yeah, he needs to give up um, give up the benefits of being an uh, incorporation incorporated, being a corporation. Um, there are benefits of, of being incorporated. You get the protection of the state, and you get the subsidy through the five hundred one c three status. Now, incorporation and five hundred one c three are separate things, and so uh, you know it's kind of one of these things. They they want those benefits, but then they don't want to. They're like a disobedient children <laughs> because the. The state is providing them these benefits. They want to continue to receive those benefits, but we're not going to do what the state wants us to do. We'll get off the welfare system. Good night. Mm-hmm. Well, 
you know, it's Pulpit Freedom Sunday was never a reality until Obama. And I think that's that shows the inconsistency of this position. If they were so adamant about the um, injustice of not being able to or being prohibited in endorsing and opposing a candidate, then why weren't they so so vocal during George W. Bush's run? And um, you know, and and the, well, George because they Bush were senior. getting what they wanted. They didn't think yeah. that they were going to lose their cash cow. Um, and you know what? Let's just face it, Pastor. That's what most churches in America are about is mm-hmm. continuing to preserve their own kingdom and to get as much money to do their little programs as they can. It's wicked. It's horrible. Um, it's uh, anti-Christ, it, but that's the situation we find ourselves in. Absolutely. Absolutely. And th- you can't tell me that the government didn't see this one coming. I, I think the powers that be... Oh, of course. Um, they knew this was going to happen. One day they were going to be able to put in a one-worlder, which we've we've had, all right, for the last three presidents. But we're going to put in a uh, one-worlder or more. We'll go even further than the last three presidents. And that's going to be pro-sodomy and all these things. I mean, guys, maybe 30 years ago you didn't see this coming, okay? But today, on this day, our U.S. military starts a program to where they will now fund gender reassignment surgery. That is happening today. It is now in place, and they said what will, what will be put out in money will be about $8.4 million for these soldiers who feel like they cannot function unless they've been changed to the opposite gender. All right? Nobody ever thought this would happen. Uh, <clears throat> since Obama's been in, look what happened. Here we are. And so now all these preachers are like, man, we got to stop this. we got to stop this. This is kind of short-sighted and inconsistent and breaking the word of God. We know that when Joshua made a peace agreement with the Gibeonites all the way back in Joshua 9, that God would hold them to it all the way to King Saul's reign in 2 Samuel 21. And he would have King Saul's sons punished because he broke that agreement. He broke the word. God doesn't sit up there in heaven and say, well, you don't have to keep your word if it's an unjust law. If you agreed to keep that unjust law, you have to keep that law or get out of the system and repent for what you've done. And that's... I know... I know one person that's not going to be paying for any of that $8 million to provide those gender reassignment surgeries, and that's Donald Trump, (laughs) because he doesn't pay taxes. But neither does Hillary Clinton. So anyway. Well, of course. I'm glad you brought that that out there. You know, that doesn't bother me for some reason. That just doesn't bother me. That IRS is so dirty, rotten, low-down, scumbag, corrupt, ungodly, enslaving system. I I just – I have to cheer the guy that figured out how to not pay him. Well, it is enslaving. The IRS has their own court system. The IRS can seize all of your assets without due process. The IRS breaks the Constitution daily, and that is, I would say, hourly, and that is supported by the government that we have right now. So, yeah, you know what? IRS, bad bad news, really bad. KJB, KGB stuff, not KJB. That's yeah. a different thing. And Mark Cuban, another billionaire, um, He's the biggest hypocrite on the planet. Just going to say this, guys. Who is he kidding? All he wants to do is get Trump from uh, getting elected. So he's he's on the bandwagon right now, 
for Hillary. He's like, well, it's your patriotic duty. Oh, shut up, Mark. You don't pay taxes either. All right? But with that said, Jason, back to our topic. The IRS is not being unjust in this law against 501c3 churches. And it is against Well, let me say, now, now the, the law is unjust in a way. So if you're going to protest, you're, you ought to protest the Johnson Amendment. You should not disobey what you have said that you will do. That's where we have our big issue. And uh, you have to make that clear when we're talking about this, Pastor, because otherwise yeah. people will think that we are pro-IRS, and we're not. No. Not but if all. you're going to agree to do something, you got to do it, or you got to get out of it the proper way. That's what the uh, Ecclesiastical Law Center is all about, it's taking a reasonable approach to these things, and scriptural, first of all, but reasonable as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. A reasonable position is um, you got in following those rules, and you get out, you follow those rules, and you stay out, all right? You just, that's, it's it's not, it's well, this is what Christians do. You know, bless God, it's the one world system. They've been a one world system for the last 50 years and prior. All right? It just seems worse. They've always been a corrupt system. Why'd you yoke up with them 20 years ago? Why'd you yoke up with them a year ago? And now all of a sudden you don't like the fact that Hillary's running and you can't oppose her. Guys, listen. Every pastor worth his salt, if he's a Bible believer, must oppose Hillary Clinton. You know, I, I, I hear guys, well, you know, she's just God's judgment upon... No, man, I oppose her. I tell our church folks, you can't possibly be right in your mind and vote for her. Our guys say, well, you know, she's no different than so-and-so. Guys, she is wicked. I oppose her. I do. And, and I say it from the pulpit. I have no problem with that. But I also am not on government subsidies, I am not an incorporated church. All right? I don't have a problem saying it. Now, that's not the reason why we're not unincorporated, Jason. We're unincorporated because Jesus Christ is supposed to be the head of the church. All right, folks, this is the Contenders for the Faith radio broadcast. We're already halfway through. Hey, while you're during the break, jump into that chat room. we got a bunch of folks in there. Anthony, Frank, Gene, me, John Galt, uh, LT, Nunya, Pastor Mike, and probably several others that have scrolled down. So jump in there, the greatest chat on radio. Go to theamericanvoice.com. I'll give more details about that when we get back after this short break.
Acid from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188 That's 800-375-4188 Protect yourself and your family. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Hey! 
Welcome back to the second half of the broadcast, folks. This is Pastor Anthony Grissy, and you're listening to the Contenders for the Faith, and I don't know where Jason went. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. Okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right. That was actually, that was user error. I'm going to admit that right here on the air. During the break, sometimes I'll hit that mute button just in case. I don't know how much can be heard over the commercials, I, even after 11 years. But, uh, folks, we are back. Hey, what happened to our other uh, intro song? Um, was that uh, like were we ass gapped out of it? I mean, <laughs> were we not? Did, did they, okay, anyway, I'm just curious. But folks, we are back, and I am Jason Burton in Union City, Indiana, Pastor. It seems like that I have been called to border towns my entire life, and so here we are, sitting on the border of Indiana and Ohio, a free state, Indiana. And right across the border, I can almost see it from my house, a communist state of Ohio. We get these HSLDA things every once in a while. That's Homeschool Legal Defense Association. And it seems like in the past several newsletters, there have been three or four in each newsletter from Ohio that have been, they've been clamping down on homeschooling just across the border here. It's beautiful over there. It would be a nice place to live, except they're all, you know, uh, communists. They're all uh, micromanaging communists. Do you realize that Ohio has a city um, income tax? Did you know that? No. <laughs> and that if you were if you live in Indiana and you work in Ohio, you have to pay the Ohio city income tax. It's wicked over there, folks. So pray for us as we uh, send over excursions. We actually have a Bible study going on over in Ohio. Like being in a foreign land. So, uh, but anyway, how are things there in Payson, Arizona, in the big squeaky chair, <laughs> flanked by the cedars of Lebanon, with the Library of Alexandria strewn behind your desk, which people could actually see last week. That was pretty exciting. Yeah, we actually had a neat show last week. We um, live streamed on YouTube, which, by the way, we are live streaming on YouTube right now. And um, but uh, last week we did a video stream and we showed everybody our family. So your family, my family, and we let them actually talk, give their testimony, tell folks about Jesus Christ. And uh, so it was kind of a special show for all of us. We were, we were on camera. But, you know, we'd we, we much rather go back to the informal, I don't have to dress up fancy and comb my hair and put on cologne, all that stuff. Um, so back to the radio. Because radio put is on cologne. Radio. Yeah, I didn't realize it was smell vision last week. Yeah. Otherwise, Are I would have lit a what? candle. My wife told me they could smell me, so for crying out loud, you're kidding me. Uh, I don't know if you saw what Frank just put in that chat room, but it I is pretty funny. That. Yeah. Anyway, folks, hey, speaking of the chat room, 
You, uh, there's a great resource that goes along with this radio broadcast and all of the other radio broadcasts on the American Voice Radio Network. It is the chat room, and folks, it is the best chat on radio. Go to theamericanvoice.com. A little bit down on the left-hand side, you'll see where it says AVRN chat. Click on that. Give yourself a super secret identity. Actually, we all are pretty much called what we're called, except uh, John Galt withdraw. Well, you know what? They all have nicknames in there, except now I've got my sure. full name. I don't know how that happened. But, yeah, uh, yeah just jump in there. Um, Anthony's in there. Frank's in there. Gene's in there. I'm in there. John Galt's in there. LT's in there. Nunya's in there. Pastor Mike Hoover's in there. And so uh, jump in there. And you know what? If you think you're smart, jump in there and say something smart, and we'll see how far you get. That'd be a, That's a good challenge right there. <laughs> Uh, by the way, folks, you can um, contact Jason or myself. Uh, you contact Jason at refreshedaz at hotmail.com. Refreshedaz at hotmail.com. Or me, pastor at paceandfirstbaptistchurch.info. Church, Pastor at paceandfirstbaptistchurch.info. And um, we'd love to hear from you. We'll get right back to you as soon as we possibly can. Um, also, um, the... Um, ELC, Northwest Conference, Northwest ELC Conference up in Portland, Oregon. That's uh, right. Hosted by the Old Paths Historic Baptist Church in Tualatin, um, Pastor Dan Zyke. Uh, it'll be October 27th through, I believe, November 1st. Let me see there. Let me look at the schedule. Yeah, October 27th through the 30th. There it is. October 27th through the 30th. And uh, we sure love to see you up there. Uh, Pastor Stephen Pauley and his whole family from New York State. They are going to drive all the way across, which is really cool. I'd love to do that one of these days. They're going to drive all the way across from New York State, all the way to Oregon, and he's going to be preaching up there. Uh, my family and I, we're going to fly all the way up there, and uh, we're going to be preaching and singing as well. And so uh, that's October 27th through the 30th. You don't want to miss it. Hope to see you there. If you're in the Portland area or you're on the West Coast, take a drive up. And you hear some great preaching, at least from Brother Paulie and uh, Pastor Zyke. And uh, my family will be singing. Paulie family will be singing. Uh, lots of good music and uh, lots of good fellowship. So October 27th through the 30th, please don't forget about it. Put it in your calendar. All right. Let me read yeah, you know what? verses here. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say you can go to the lordshipchurches.info, and there is information yeah. on that meeting on the banner. And also, don't forget about Pastor Mike Hoover's uh, Southern Indiana ELC meetings. That are Those will be December 4th through the 2nd. And so uh, you want to make sure to set that aside as well. And uh, just outside of Paoli, Indiana, at Stampers Creek Baptist Church, Historic Baptist Church. So uh, don't yeah. forget about that either. You can ask Pastor Mike Hoover about it in the chat room right now if you want to. So anyway, exactly. go ahead and read scriptures that you had read. All right. Um, Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 21. He said, For the pastors are become brutish, brutish and have not sought the Lord. Therefore they shall not prosper, and all their flocks shall be scattered. Jeremiah twelve ten. Many pastors have destroyed my vineyard. They have trodden my portion underfoot. They have made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. Um, Jeremiah 22, verse 22. The wind shall eat up all thy pastors. Um... And then uh, Jeremiah 23, verse 1, Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. That word brutish means insensible, stupid, unfeeling, 
uh, ignorant, carnal, uh, uncivilized, and untaught. And we're seeing this more and more uh, um, in our country and some of the popular pastors. Now, biblically speaking, Jason, I guess we would say the pastor Andy Stanley and Carl Luntz um, would not line up with the Bible. But these two guys are claiming it. All right? They're claiming to be pastors. Their parishioners are claiming that they are pastors. And so you claim it, man, you're going to be held responsible for it. Now, I know. Makes our job easy. Some, yeah, yeah, exactly. I know some people will look at them and say, well, they're not pastors, so who cares? Uh, no, 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 I'll wait a minute. You better relax on that one just for just a minute, guys. Andy Stanley has a church network over 30,000 people in the Atlanta area. You think that he won't answer to God for claiming a position that he may not be qualified for? You better believe he's going to answer to God for it. Hey, look, in, in, the, in, in the book of Revelation, God has, in the first three chapters, he has a punishment for those who claim to be Jews and are not. All right? So you claim that, and you don't line up, you're in big trouble. These guys are claiming to be pastors, and uh, the world is recognizing them as pastors. They're in big trouble. This is the face of what people would call Christianity today, and I, um, it saddens my heart that they are. All right? But both these pastors have done something rather interesting. Carl Luntz of the Hillsong Church in New York, he came out and he got politically involved, and he said that his church would no longer say all lives matter. Um, he said because it is a logical assumption that most people already agree with. He said all lives are not at risk right now. Uh, he says we are saying black lives matter because right now black lives apparently are worth less on our streets. It's our fight, not their fight. Now, I'm just going to say this right now. He is 100% dead wrong, and I'm, and I'm not looking at it from an earthly perspective either, Jason. The problem is these pastors literally are biblical blockheads. They have no concept of what the scriptures teach in any way, shape, or form, and that is what's led these guys to make these political stands uh, and try to sound good and religious. But this guy is so so wrong; it's not even funny. We we came across a passage of scripture we've been preaching on in church the other day in Psalms chapter nine, where the Bible says that all nations shall be turned into hell. But there's a special verse in that passage. Uh, it, the Bible says in Psalms nine and verse nine, Jason, that the Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. If these mm -hmm. pastors truly believe that these black people are being oppressed as they're looting Walmarts and, um, you know, beating up on police officers and causing damage and uh, hurling epitaphs and killing each other and their own children. If they really believe they were truly oppressed, then they should be evangelistically working out there, pointing them to Jesus Christ, because that is the refuge for the oppressed. Other folks, you feel like you're being oppressed, you women feel like you're being oppressed, instead of calling on our church, why don't you run to God? And if you truly are oppressed, then God will stand on your side. He will fight for you. But if you are not oppressed, he's going to point it to your heart, and he's going to show you uh, you're not oppressed. All right? So get off your knees and stop complaining and whining. This pastor has dropped the ball. Instead, he has sided with the destructive force in our country because he doesn't know the Bible. 
if he truly believed that black lives were being oppressed, he would be standing from the, the highest mountain screaming, hey, stop wasting your time protesting and come to God. Come to Jesus Christ because he is the refuge. You know, people but, don't get this. One. But the question comes up, Pastor, if you do that, how do you get free stuff? Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> because, oh, I mean, well, well, that is the motivation. You do realize that. That's the motivation. That's what is that's what po- is passing for politics motivating people is how much free stuff can we give you? What's Hillary want to give everybody? She wants to give everybody a free college education. Donald Trump, what's he want to give everybody? I don't know. What does he want to give everybody? But anyway, that's the motivation that the politicians um, – oh, he wants to give everybody a wall, yeah. I guess. <laughs> but uh, – so, so I mean, it's the absolute base motivation and, and a way in which you can move a mass of people is to offer them free stuff, but first get them dependent on that free stuff. And then when you, when you offer them salvation and they've been so used to all this free stuff, you know, they're going to reject uh, truth for what will make them most satisfied in their body. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, you know what, Jason? Um, salvation is free. Frank says a job. That's what he's going <laughs> to offer. So, hey, that's all right too. <laughs> what was it? Uh, they won't the it. <laughs> um, there was a protest. There was a protest. Black Lives Matter protest. I'm trying to think where it was I think it was Fresno, somewhere in California. But anyway, several cops. Um, I guess they were protesting near a Chick Fil A, and several cops went to the Chick Fil A and got some food. And the protesters were screaming, "Where's our food?" <laughs> That's the mentality. Where's our food? Oh, and they began chanting, give us our food. Bring us our food. Bring us our chicken. Anyways, because they're not interested wow. in relieving Title oppression. You know? No, no. They're, they're interested in trying to move the political landscape so they get more free stuff. We have to, you have to right break there. these things down to their what, what they truly are. And it's because it's a reprobate people. And it's because it's a people that has largely rejected God uh, in every aspect of their lives. At least there was okay. some semblance of Christianity you know, in the past in America. But now people have completely thrown that out and are actively seeking to destroy Christianity. They don't care about it. They just want their free stuff. So yeah, that's it. That's right. Well, these I'll tell you right now, these uh the forefathers of a lot of these protesters, um, they'd be rolling in their graves. Those former slaves that were introduced to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, what about what about John Jasper? Have you ever heard of him? Oh, yeah. He oh, was yeah. a uh, black yeah. black preacher in the eighteen hundreds who uh who was actually he was his his owner, he was a slave, and for twenty five years his owner <laughs> allowed him to pastor a church, and he ended up having something like 2,000. He was a Baptist preacher in the 1800s, and uh, it's amazing to read through his story. If you can get a hold of his book, there's a book out there written about his life. You see a different type of hero that should be put forth, somebody who is willing to stand for God, even in the worst of circumstances, while under physical slavery being yep. owned by another man. And yet he didn't use that as an excuse. There are examples for every group of people of, of folks who have stood for Christ regardless of the circumstances, and that's who ought to be used to teach our children biblical principles and how you stand in those, in those times of difficulty. Andy, uh, or um, uh, John Jasper, and um, so many of these preachers, uh, Jason, they, they obeyed the Bible. 
these these black these black slaves obeyed yeah. the Bible. They saw what Paul said. All right, then you're going to submit yourself to your master, and you're going to do it as unto Christ, and you're not going to do it with eye service. And these guys ended up experiencing true freedom, whereas these protesters with the Black Lives Matter, they have, they have enough leeway to loot whole stores, and yet they are more enslaved than their forefathers who were truly enslaved. And, um, and that's a sad state of affairs. All right, Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley, Pastor Andy Stanley, Andy Stanley uh, the, in the Atlantic area, um, has got himself into trouble before in saying stupid things. And here he is again, just really blowing it. All right? He has a church network of over 30,000 people in the Atlanta area, and his church was rated as the fastest growing in America in 2014 and 15. Recently, he has been criticized, and the reason why he's criticized is because he claims that the Bible doesn't give us a firm foundation for our faith. He said, we believe Jesus rose from the dead, not because the Bible says so. He said, it is way better than that. Christianity does not hang by the thread of the Bible told me so. He said, in the original version, the pre-Bible version was defensible, it was endurable, it was persecutable, it was fearless, it was compassionate, it was compelling, but he claims it is next to impossible to defend the entire Bible. And he actually, he, he actually teaches a whole series on this. He said, if the Bible sure. is the foundation of our faith, it's all or nothing. And basically he says, we've got to stop telling people that uh, Jesus loves you because the Bible says so, you know, but because we just know it and so on. So I, I just, I can't even fathom a preacher even doing that. Most preachers for the last 20 years wouldn't say that outright. They may believe it. I mean, preachers have been preaching from the pulpit that that Bible is a final authority, even though they didn't believe it was perfect, and they believed they had the authority to correct it. But they never admitted it from the pulpit. This guy is just out and out saying, I can't defend the Bible. And he's a pastor. Well, that sounds like a, sounds like, first of all, a heart problem. Second of all, uh, a good advertisement for not sending your kids to Dallas Theological Seminary where he went. Of course the Bible is defensible. Mike. Goodness, how do we know about the resurrection if it's not put forth by the Word of God? And that's where you catch him in his illogical thinking. Because if he says he claims to believe the resurrection, well, where did he hear about that from? Well, from somebody that told him. Well, where did they get it from? Well, they got it from the Word of God, of course, where it talks about Jesus' resurrection. So he's throwing out his authority for that which he says that he believes and saying that that which told him that there was a resurrection is incorrect. Therefore, he is incorrect. Well, at least you could get that far um, if you break it down logically. In other words, there is no logic with what he believes. He He has nothing to stand upon. Pastor, he no. he has left the faith. Yeah, well, the Bible talks about false prophets. I mean, if he throws out the word of God, we don't worship the Bible, but the Bible does tell us what we need to know for all matters of faith and practice. If he throws out his uh, Bible, he will be uh, he will fall for every wind of doctrine, and apparently doctrine of his own making as well. And he will. Uh, anyway, I I'm going to pause for a second. Yeah. Well, go ahead. What? Okay. Is this the son of Charles Stanley? Yes. Okay, and did he not? I think we watched a video uh, mm-hmm. at the ELC conference where he, yes. um, he, he made an outrageous statement uh, about children going to church. And, um, and I can't remember the statement now. It just slipped my mind. 
Anyways, yeah, it had, so this, it had something to do with uh, the size of the church and uh, oh, the yeah. need to determine the spirituality based upon the, yes. the size of the church. In other words, he was saying that large churches were more spiritual than small churches, and if you've got a small church, yeah. then you're not doing something right. Yeah, AJ sitting right next to me just told me the exact same thing you said, and he apologized for that later on because he received a huge backlash, but now he's on to this... What in the world? He said, so if you stepped away from Christianity because of something in the Bible, if you stepped away uh, from the Christian faith because of Old Testament miracles, if you stepped away from the Christian faith because you couldn't reconcile 6,000 years with 4.5 billion years old Earth and something you learned in biology, I wanted to invite you to reconsider because the issue has never been, is the Bible true? And then he goes on to say... Uh, you grew up, but your faith didn't grow up with you. You grew up, but you outgrew your faith. Your childhood, God could not stand the rigors of adulthood, the questions of adulthood. If the Bible is the foundation of our faith, it's all or nothing. Christianity becomes a fragile house of cards religion. Christianity becomes a fragile house of cards. It comes tumbling down when we discover that perhaps the walls of Jericho didn't fall down. I, well, I, you know what? His walls, his walls of any faith that he'd have to base anything upon that he believes. He calls himself a pastor, and yet where do we learn about what a pastor does except from the Word of God? He calls his church or his organization a church. Well, where do we learn about what the church is supposed to do but from the Word of God? He's just making it up as he goes now. Oh, so don't well, send your kids to Dallas Theological Seminary. Oh, my goodness. You know, you know why That's he's where he that? <laughs> well, do you know why he's where he's why? at right now? Because he was taught well, the Bible be- wasn't true. Well, he's and also because he's, he's probably bitter at what he saw in his dad's life with his dad's compromise. Ah, and uh, not that he has the excuse for that now, but anyway, something I've been thinking about. But the fact is that he has he has left any sort of foundation he possibly could have for being a any sort of preacher of the gospel when he's throwing the Bible out, because that's where we learn about these things from. Yeah, yeah. Um, li- listen to what else he says here. Uh, he, or, I'm not going to read what he says. I'll just tell you what he specifically states as indefensible, not supported by evidence. Israel's exodus from Egypt, the walls in Jericho fell down, the earth is 6,000 years old, the chronological information for 2 Kings, for 2 Chronicles, for 2 Samuel, the global flood in Noah's day, and so on and so forth. Listen, if the Bible is wrong, Christianity is untrue. That's the bottom line, brethren. And here's something. Guys, if we don't have an inerrant Bible that God promised to preserve, anything goes, and Andy Stanley's right where we expect him to be. He is right where we expect him to be. He has no true concept of what is true. All right, folks, that is it for this show, but great broadcasting continues. Melissa Roxanne with New World Order Info. You don't want to miss it. We'll see you next week. God bless you.
Political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. have denied internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System.
All right, welcome to New World Order Info. And I'm Melissa Roxanne. You're listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and check out all different ways to listen to AVR. And you can go to the Superstore. You can click on any of the banners there to get to different places. Um, We do have a really good deal going on organic sulfur, so check that out. The more you buy, the more you save. And, you know, more than one pound helps you to save a lot of money on having it shipped to you because it's a lot less expensive. Uh, The sulfur itself is cheaper when you buy more than one at a time, more than one pound at a time. And it's $5 off per pound if you do that uh, versus just buying the one pound. And then the shipping becomes cheaper too. The more you buy, you know, you'll save money versus buying them one at a time. And then also for those out there, and there are people that do this, um, is if you buy a four-pound you know, order at a time of sulfur, the organic sulfur, four pounds at one time. You'll save the most that way, um, and you'll also, you know, you'll get the shipping discount, the $5 off per pound, and then you'll also get a free LED light bulb while they last, you know, because when when we run out, we can't, you know, do that anymore. But anyway, so that's a up to $10 value, that's what they're going for on Amazon.com. So anyway, just for the LED light bulb that you get for free when you order four or more pounds of sulfur at once. So check check that out. It's really good for your health, and, uh, you know, it can be good for the health of your animals. Check with your doctor, check with your veterinarian and all those things, and research it, but... Anyway, um, I'm probably going to talk some and read some about vitamin C, but I'm going to first get into something different tonight. And this is 10 Ways to Make Money on Your Land. It's an article by Anita Evangelista. And um, you can find it. I gave you this address last week at one of my favorite sites for survival and preparedness and off-grid living. It's called backwoodshome.com, backwoods with an S, home.com, so B-A-C-K-W-O-O-D-S-H-O-M-E.com, and just uh, look there, you'll find it. And also a lot of older articles are also on their site. If you just look on the left-hand menu there and look for articles, you can find a great variety of information, and, um, you know, I gave you some of those, but just so you know, there's even an index, I mean, there's Americana history, animals, building and tools, commentary, country living, crafts and hobbies, energy, farm and garden, firearms, hunting and self-defense, food and recipes, health, homeschooling, just for kids, making and saving money, people, reviews, self-reliance, and small-town America. So those are just, you know, the categories if you click on article index. An article index, 
is easy to find. It's near the top of the page on the left-hand side under Features. It lists Home Page, Current Issue, and then the third one there that you can click on, and it turns red when you mouse over it, is Article Index. And then there's the Author Index. If you know the author and you'd like to read that particular author's articles, maybe you found an article you enjoyed reading or something and you want to read more from that same person, you can click on Author Index. So there's that. And, um, you know, there's a lot of really good information here. So you can learn a lot. So I'm going to get into this article. And it's, again, 10 Ways to Make Money on Your Land by Anita Evangelista. There's something very visceral about having your own piece of land, whether it's a little scrap of green terrace or a vast expanse of fertile bottom land. Ownership or rentership of ground tugs at a series of primal instincts to cultivate, to promote growth, to improve, and ultimately to enjoy the rewards of your efforts. Urban dwellers satisfy this drive by planting flowers in window boxes and herbs and pots on apartment ledges. Suburbanites lavish attention and money on carpet-thick lawns and sculpted terraces. Rural denizens concentrate their efforts on a particular field or specific livestock. Yet in each case, there is always an ultimate goal, to manage the soil and land to achieve some direct benefit. Now this is a good thing. The discovery that good land management returns a financial and emotional reward tends to promote better management in the future, which is also a good thing. The challenge, of course, is figuring out the thing that will bring the best return using the abilities and skills you already have and fitting your efforts into the time you have available. Sometimes that combination of parameters creates a daunting barrier to further action. I've only got a backyard loan and a little time on weekends. How can I possibly earn any income off of that? To answer that, I can share my experience. When we lived in Los Angeles in a minuscule city home, our entire lot was 40 feet wide and 70 feet long. Later, when we lived on a farm, our garden was bigger than that. In that space, a small house, garage, concrete patio, and grassy yard all seemed too tiny to squeeze in anything that might have contributed to making an additional income. But somehow, we've managed. We grew grapes up a chicken wire lattice on the south side of the house and planted highly productive dwarf fruit trees and harvested dozens of pounds of peaches, apples, and apricots every year. Not only was the flavor better than store-bought, by growing our own, we, avoiding, we avoided having to spend money on fruit. We created a tiered 4 by 4 foot strawberry patch that provided luscious berries all year round. Our front chain link fence provided a trellis for chayote vines. I don't know how to say that word which routinely gave over 100 pounds of squash yearly. And that's C-H-A-Y-O-T-E, vines. I've never heard of that before. Um, 
So, wow. Just the chain link fence that they planted these vines on gave routinely over 100 pounds of squash yearly. That's a lot. At one point, we housed over 60 breeding rabbits, which I'm not in agreement with that. Um, You're not supposed to eat those, and you, you could starve eating them, too. Stacked like apartment dwellers in homemade cages three stories high. Those bunnies racked up about $7,200 net annually, sold to pet shops and private individuals, plus provided a significant protein complement to our diet and some of the finest fertilizer available for our garden and our friends' gardens as well. A tall, narrow, multi-level cage housed over 100 Kuternix quail, fast reproducing and many egg-laying wonders. We sold eggs and chicks, plus had all the gourmet eggs we could eat. The concrete patio provided an area for hubby Nick to teach fencing, the sword kind, and an old upright piano in the small living room provided a place for me to give piano lessons. And of course, both Nick and I wrote and sold freelance nonfiction articles by sharing time on an IBM Selectric typewriter. We both were at home all day, so our children were homeschooled, too. Remember, this was on a lot smaller than a country garden. If we could do it, so can you. A personalized plan. Earning a profit from your land honestly won't be instantaneous and will require effort. As a quick refresher, consider this. There are only three main things that you can sell. I'm going to emphasize these because any one or combination of these can be the basis for your own plan for profit off your land. Products, items you make, build, improve, develop, grow, or produce to provide a good that buyers need or want. Skills, what you can do, teach, explain, or accomplish that provides knowledge or new abilities that people need or want. Services, actions you can carry out to serve the needs or wants of other people. Some services are simple manual tasks that potential buyers just don't want to do or can't do on their own, say cleaning windows or carpets or locating a special part for an old sewing machine. Others require more complex skills Combining skill and service in one swoop, such as auto repair, computer debugging, or designing a landscape. Every step in the process of building your profit system can also be rewarding and satisfying in its own way. Keep in mind that each of the following planning steps takes you closer and closer to your goal. 1. Know your land. This is both simpler and more complex than it sounds. I suggest you draw a map of your available ground, even if it's only a small patio space next to a condo. Get some graph paper or a piece of poster board. Spend several days to a week or so examining and measuring out your available space and draw out your property lines. Your outlines include buildings, concrete areas, trees, reserved areas where the kids play, for example, 
as it currently exists. Remember to look up as well as down. Notice building heights, trellises, and overhangs, and where sunlight falls. This will be your basic tool for the rest of your progress. So make this detailed enough that you can close your eyes and visualize the layout readily. Imagine where you can tuck in small cages, planters, or tools. Two, write out your skills. Again, simpler and more complex than it appears. Those abilities you take for granted, say changing the oil on your car, playing clarinet, training dogs, identifying garden herbs, baking bread from scratch, typing 70 words per minute, and so forth are not free goods. Each skill took you time and effort to acquire, and your time and existing skills all have value. Part of earning money on your land includes accepting the reality that you are allowed to profit from what you know. Don't stop listing your skills until you have at least 15 on your list. Most people can list over 40 skills if they think about it for a while. It helps also to consider how much you'd have to pay someone else to do the particular action too. It might seem easy to replace your house's plastic water pipes, but if you had to hire a plumber to do the same work, you'd realize how valuable that skill is. Three, write down specific benefits of your area. This step can be the trigger to developing your plan, observing and acknowledging those features of your region that promote business development. Take a walk around the area or the neighborhood. Notice what kind of businesses already flourish there. Observe the income level, upscale, moderate, downscale, and what people seem to want. If you supply something people want, you'll be able to sell whatever you produce. Don't try to duplicate existing businesses. Create something better, cheaper, or easier to acquire. Keep in mind that some elements that might be uncomfortable in other settings, such as high population density, can be a plus. More potential customers are available. Four, write down specific limitations of your area. Weather is often a limiting factor in developing income plans. You can't grow fruit outdoors in a main winter, for example. If you live an hour's drive from the nearest town, that will limit access from potential buyers. If you live in a gated community, it will be challenging for potential buyers to meet you spontaneously. This step helps you keep a realistic attitude about your plans. Write down how you want to live in one year, two years, five years. Our goal was to work at home, to make the land we lived on a place of profit, as well as a place to sleep truly a homestead. We wanted to raise our children in a safe environment and produce the majority of our own food. Our plan was to acquire a two-story house paid off in a rural setting that was both productive and pretty, and that's where we landed only four short years after we began working toward that goal. We were not interested in having a huge income or in amassing IRAs, but you might be. Remember to factor your real, as opposed to desired, income needs in when you set up your plans.
You'll spend a good week or longer sorting out these five steps, but this information will be the foundation for the money-making ideas in the next section. The following are meant as introductory concepts designed to get you thinking. Let each act as a brainstorm starter. Hold an idea in mind and imagine its ramifications in your setting, on your land. Be sure to write down key points. Keep a notebook handy. Don't let a good idea get away because you forgot to write it down. Number one, teach. Okay, we'll be back with ways to make money on your own land on the other side, so don't go anywhere.
vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it, It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. 
Welcome back to New World Order Info. I'm Melissa Roxanne, and you're listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and check out all the different ways to listen to AVR. And it is my live show tonight on Monday, October 5th, 2015. And I've been reading you an article from... This online site I told you about, it's one of my favorite ones, just for, you know, homesteading and survival preparedness, living off the grid, things like that, living in a rural area, being self-sufficient, whatever you want to call it. And it's called backwoodshome.com. That's the website. And if you just, you know, you can find some articles in their current issue, or you can look under article index under, oh, it's under features. It's the third um, choice under features. So 
You can look there. So I'm getting back to this article. It's basically 10 ways to make money on your land by Anita Evangelista. Okay, so we talked about knowing your land. You know, first of all, developing a personalized plan, like um, whether you want to sell products, whether it's items you make, build, improve, develop, grow, or produce to provide a good that buyers need or won't, or whether it's a skill or skills you can develop or you already have, what you can do, teach, explain, or accomplish that provides knowledge or new abilities that people need or won't. And then there are services you can provide, and those are actions you can carry out to serve the needs or wants of other people. Some are simple manual tasks that potential buyers just don't want to do. Maybe they don't have time to do. Maybe they don't have the equipment that it takes or the tools they need to do those, or they just don't want to bother, you know. Um, for instance, cleaning windows or carpets or locating a special part for an old sewing machine. Others require more complex skills, combining skill and service in one swoop, such as auto repair, computer debugging, fixing people's computers and all that, or designing a landscape. So then the article says that, you know, after you choose which of those things you want to do, then you need to draw out a map of your property, all the buildings, all the trees, the kids' play areas, whatever the case may be, you know, put in the overhangs, the trellises, the building heights, where the sunlight falls and all these things. And then, you know, that might help you when it comes time to maybe build things or, you know, depending on if you're going to be doing things outside or not. Um, and then write out your skills, um, you know, there could be a lot of those, um, whether you're a good cook or... Um, you're good at fixing vehicles or maybe certain types of vehicles like old dots and, you know, pickup trucks or building houses or building whatever the case may be. You know, maybe you play guitar and you could teach other people how to do that. Maybe you're an artist and you could teach people how to paint, you know, and there's lots of different kinds of artists, so. Um, maybe, you know, you could tutor kids or something. So there's all kinds of different skills. Maybe you know how to make really good key lime pie, and that's something very popular, and most people don't know how to do that. So, you know, I know in, in Key West that they charge a lot of money. Of course, I wouldn't charge this kind of money, but, you know, you could make money just Making key lime pies and selling them, believe me, they charge like $25 a pie or more in, in Key West and in a lot of places that have those. But anyway, then you have to go through a lot of headaches if you do want to, unless you, you know, find a place and you, that you can rent or something that has a kitchen and because otherwise you have to go through a lot to be able to do that in your own home. But anyway... And so write out your skills, and, um, you know, you should have at least 15 different skills. Don't stop until you list that many. 
And most people can list over 40 different ones if they think about it for a while. Um, so things, you know, that would work off the grid that you could still make money on would be good skills to develop now. You know, and a lot of you out there may already have a lot of those skills, but there's always more we can all learn. And then some people may not have any skills like that, you know, hardly, if any. So we all should be working on that. And that way, when everything does hit the fan, maybe there's a way, you know, we could provide different goods or services or whatever we can do to help others, to help ourselves, to do it off the grid. Um, and then write down specific benefits of your area and notice what kind of businesses there are, um, maybe how other people in your area are making money. I know some people make jelly or jam, and somehow they get away with selling it. I don't know what kind of hoops they might have to jump through or not, whether they just break the law or what, but just driving down the road, one of the roads around here, and it's a paved road. It's it's not out in the country, although there are people that have ranches and stuff on that road. But um, there's a, there's a people that just put jars of, like, jelly that they've made at home, and then they just have, like, a little place for you to put your money. So it's basically, you know, they just put it out there, and then you just take whatever it is and leave the appropriate amount of money. So there's that. So there are people out there doing stuff. I used to go pick oranges in Florida at an orange grove where they had the best oranges, which my family also grows. And they've grown up since I was probably, I'm sure, before I was born in Georgia and South Georgia. But anyway, they're called Satsuma oranges, also known as Mandarin oranges. That's my very favorite. And I would go pick like a huge bag, um, you know, a grocery store um paper bag full um, for $5 in Florida. And then the lady that lived there, she happened to be an old neighbor of some lady that I worked for. And, um, you know, she told me about her neighbor and all that. So we would go together and pick oranges in early November every year. But they were there till January. So anyway, and I would take them back to... My family that didn't have orange trees when I visited them in Georgia, in a different part of Georgia. So my dad really enjoyed those in my family as well. And they'd last a long time. Those oranges, if you keep them in your refrigerator, they can last a very long time. So that's the the way to keep those. But um, anyway, so for $5, I would fill up the, the big sack full of those oranges. And, you know, that was a great deal for me. Because here now they cost, I mean, yes, I found them on sale for as low as a dollar a pound here over the years since I've lived here um, over eight years now, going on nine years. But that's very rare to find them at that. Um, and sometimes they're $2 a pound. But other times, you know, a three-pound bag could cost you a pretty penny, so... If you have something like that around you, take advantage of it while you can, because you never know. You might end up moving away like I did. But anyway, um, so that's just a couple of things that those people had that orange grove, and they had other trees there. They had, you know, grapefruits and 
all kind of different things there growing. And then the woman that lived there, she taught piano lessons. So that's a couple of different ways that they made money on their land. So, you know, write down what's available in your area and and different kinds of businesses. Maybe you can create something better than what they already have or cheaper or just a higher quality or easier, you know, for people to obtain. So all of those are different things you could think about. And then don't worry if you're in a place where, you know, in the city, although I think it's a great idea to get out of the city as soon as you can and to try to, you know, live in the country in a rural area because according to the Bible, Bible, cities are going to be just wastelands. They're going to be empty. They're going to be ghost towns. And that's because probably all the people there are going to get murdered. So, you know, when everything hits the fan and everything is going nuts, that's where it's going to be really bad is in the city. So try to get out of those as soon as you can. But until you do, you know, and I'd be working on a way to make a living to get the heck out of there and get my own property and all that, you know, in the country where it's a lot safer and then you can use your land to grow food and all kind of different things you could do um, in the country. But, you know, ways to make money to save up if you're trying to do that or that's your dream to get out of the city, you know, and into the country and stuff. So if you have a lot of people and you are in the city, that's just more potential customers that are available to you. And then write down limitations in your area, you know, so be realistic because people don't want to drive an hour usually to come to where you live if they're coming, but sometimes they will. Sometimes they'll drive a great distance. It just depends what you have to offer them for sale or whatever, what type of goods you have or services or whatever. Um, And then write down how you want to live in one year, two year, and five years. And so, you know, it could be like these people. Their plan was to acquire a two-story house. They wanted to raise their children in a safe environment and provide their own food. The majority of it, you know, they wanted to grow. So that was their dream and their plan. So then, you know, make what do you want to be doing in a year, in two years, and five years as a goal. And I think the more detailed it it could be, the better. And I think that, you know, writing it down helps it to come to fruition and, you know, puts it in your mind that it's like you're focusing on what you want to do. And a builder makes a blueprint, you know, Um, Or there has to be a blueprint drawn up to build something. I mean, there should be usually a diagram of some kind. So it's kind of like that. You're just kind of putting a blueprint down of what your goals are, what you'd like to get accomplished. And and dates are good, I think, for that. Time periods and all that. Where you want to be. And, you know, all this is good to write down and get it like a notebook or several notebooks and It's a good thing to do to keep a notebook around and to write down whatever, you know, things that you think of, ways to make money, um, hobbies that 
you could develop that could make you money or things that you already know how to do that could make you money. Different things like that. I have a book. It's an old book and more than one, but one of my old books um, on different ways to make money. You know, and it's quite an old book, so a lot of it is not still valid, but there's still even money-making ideas that I've seen in it. So there's books available, too, on those type of things you could check out or find in a used bookstore or order somewhere or just check out at the library. Okay, so now here are some ways to make money. The first one, and these are just introductory concepts designed to get you thinking. So each can kind of act as a brainstorm starter and... So keep that notebook handy and don't let a good idea get away because you forgot to get the notebook or to write it down. Some people record things on tape recorders and voice recorders or things like that. They may have programs on their cell phone. I don't know. They probably do where you can record things. So there's all different ways. But I think writing it down is a really good way to focus on it and get your mind, you know, let your mind know what kind of things you want to do. Okay. So the first one is teach. This can be done in the city or in the country. Look back at your list of skills. What can you do? Can you play a musical instrument? Do you ride a horse well? Do you sing well? Do you dance well? Do you know how to um, cook certain things like gourmet food or... Do you know how to cook Mexican or maybe Italian food or maybe pioneer food, you know, how to cook off the grid? And maybe you know how to cook in, um, you know, use Dutch oven cooking and cast iron pots and things like that. So that would be a good survival skill to teach other people, maybe that are into survival and preparedness and they don't have experience doing that yet. Maybe you know how to build rocket stoves, which is, you know, something very simple to do. But if somebody doesn't know how, that could be another thing. You could build those and or, you know, teach people how to do that. Um, do you know how to make pottery? That's something useful that people can use and old, you know, pots and things like that. Um, different vessels made from that stoneware and all that, they go for a lot of money. So that would be something good if you know how to do that for what's to come. I know the pioneers used those like crazy. And I've seen like an old butter churn, you know, made from pottery. Um, do you know how to find things to eat? Maybe in, you know, growing... When food may be scarce, do you know how to make tinctures or um, make medicine out of herbs and things like that? That would be a great skill to learn to be able to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy, your your neighbors or friends, and teach other people how to do that. Be your own doctor. Uh, Do you know how to weave or spin wool? That would be another great thing to learn how to do, Um, a great hobby that you could make money also doing. So when you think about hobbies, you know, maybe that you're interested in learning, 
think of different ones that you could use to, you know, once you learn how to do it, you can learn to either teach others or provide a service or some kind of goods for other people from your hobby. Um, Do you know how to build a masonry wall? Do you know how to build walls out of stone or maybe stone fireplaces or stone walkways or stoops or stairs or, you know, you could do the flooring in an entire house or whatever type of building, those kind of things. Um, Retaining walls out of stone or brick, you know, do you know how to pour concrete and, you know, do small patios and walkways and things like that? Do you know how to build fireplaces? Do you know how to put mantles on fireplaces? And, um, you know, you could do brick fireplaces. You could paint people's brick fireplaces. I know most people nowadays, they a lot of them anyway, they don't like the to look of a regular brick fireplace, they want to paint them, things like that. So there's all different things. Do you know how to paint walls well, you know, and the indoor trim? There's all kind of things you can learn to do. Do you know how to, you know, put up drywall? Do you know how to um, do plumbing? Um, Do you know karate? Do you know different life skills to protect yourself, you know? So there's all kinds of different things. Someone in your area wants to learn what you know. And then there's books you can write. You can write, um, you know, this isn't in the article, but you could just make um, e-books and teach people how to do things that so they don't even need to leave, to live near you. You know, they could live across the world as long as they can understand English, if that's the language you're going to write it in, you know, um, that would be another good thing that you can learn is how to make ebooks, you know, and how to write short books that you can make money on. And there's a lot of people doing that, um, providing those for a small amount of money. Or maybe you could go to your local printer and have them printed out, or you could print them out yourself, on, you know, in your home and get like a laser printer Maybe, you know, find out what's cheaper. It's probably cheaper to do it yourself, but you never know. So you could get some prices from your local printer or printers, get some estimates and tell them what you want to do and sell little booklets, you know, for $10 or whatever the cost may be, $15 or less. Um, Different things you've learned how to do or whatever, recipe books, whatever it is, old family recipes, um, recipes that you can cook easily off the grid or mixes you can make to live off the grid that are mixed up ahead of time and then you just add water to or, you know, different things. Um, Stuff like that would be helpful to people, I think. Um, Survival and preparedness books, um, all kind of things. Books about gold and silver and different things you need to know about obtaining those and and um, just whatever it is. So there's all kinds of skills that you can have. Um, welding is another one. So um, anyway, these are just different things. And someone in your area or around the world, who knows, wants to learn what you know. So in order to teach, you need students. And in order to get students, you must advertise, whether it's locally or if you want 
to do something, you know, like I said, e-books or some kind of book you could send out, then you could advertise online as well, which would go maybe around the world depending on where you put it online. Um, so word of mouth, posters at local colleges and markets, sharp-looking business cards. You can print those out on your own computer, but keep in mind, <laughs> if you go to do that, some of them are made for inkjet computers, I'm sorry, printers, and some of them are made for laser printers. So you need to get the proper business cards for the proper printer, you know, and sometimes they're not even marked. They're not even marked on the box, whether they're for laser printers or inkjet printers. And then you get them home thinking that they're going to work on your laser printer, and they don't work. And so then you take them back to the store, <laughs> and they say, we can't use those because they'll ruin our laser printer. So sometimes they're not marked, which is not good. And other times, you know, I've seen them at different office supply places where they are, where they do say this is for a laser printer. But it's it's said on that package that I saw, um, optimized for laser printing, so or laser printer. So that would make me think optimized would make me think. Well, it's not necessary. It's just another new thing they're trying to put on there to get you to buy that particular product, but you don't really need it. You can buy, you know, one that's not marked for a laser printer, but don't do it because apparently there there are differences and you have to be careful. So look for laser printer if you have a laser and look for the inkjet if you have an inkjet. But anyway, so you can do that and then they have these things that they can cut them for you at the office supply stores and... Um, you know, and I've even seen those for sale to cut business cards. So you might be able to make business cards for people. If you're a good graphic designer or something like that, and you know how to use your printer well, and you can get a business card cutter, that would be a service you could provide for people. And you might can do it cheaper than the local printer. So you could get a business going doing that. And also maybe a magnetic sign on the doors of your vehicle or on the windows. You know, you could put a sign on your windows of your vehicle, et cetera. Um, also, ads where people likely to want your knowledge might go. So think of who your target, you know, clientele is and what they're like and where they would be going and shopping and visiting and all that. So maybe health food stores or veterinary supply houses, um, bookstores, whatever the case may be. Offer a 500-word how-to article about your area of expertise, how to grow a great tomato, how to find a deal on a used car, to your hometown newspaper. Local newspapers often carry short, informative pieces by local folk. People will consider you an expert after they see it. So don't spend too much for your initial advertising. Start small and let the business begin to pay its own way. Check out the prices of your competition and underprice them just a little for your first experiences. Later, as your client base increases, you can raise your price to middle range or higher. Decide in advance what a course will be. Four weekly meetings for beginners, a three-hour group meeting on one Saturday morning, Provide a clear written description of what you teach and what the student can expect from a course. 
Anticipate what equipment you and your students will require. Extra tools for beginners, cleanup supplies, blackboards, or computer access. Keep notes on what you did and if it worked, and change how or what you teach to accommodate what you learn about students. So kind of tailor the course to them and their needs. Teach the course you wish you had been able to take so you can improve upon other teachers you've had in the past, you know, that made mistakes or do things differently. And, you know, teach a better course than the one that you took. Remember, you'll lose a percentage of students. It's not what they expected. It's too much work or they're fickle. They find another interest. Don't take it personally. Give them more than they expect and keep learning. One woman I saw online, she learned how to make slip covers, and she she has so much money now. She bought a vacation home for her and her family, and that's what she does for a living. Okay, we'll be back. Don't go anywhere. We are young.
Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. have denied internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Every cowboy sings a sad, sad song 
show tonight and I'm Melissa Roxanne and it's Monday October 5th 2015 so I think I'm just going to focus on some of these different things tonight versus talking about vitamin C and I'll get back to that maybe next week but we're reading here I am an article 10 ways to make money on your land and I brought up business cards and Different things that I've found out about those recently is that you have to, if you're going to print them yourself, you know, get the type that say that they're for whatever type of printer you have, either laser or inkjet. But Frank says that the cheapest, highest quality way or the next highest quality way, but the, one of the cheapest ways is to design them yourself and design them for eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper and then take them to, he says, an office depot. But I suppose, you know, you could check around price-wise to your office supply store and or printer. 
but probably your office supply store would be cheaper than a printer. And then take them to them to print and cut them. And he says highest quality is to have them sent off. So I guess that just depends. But anyway, um, so yeah, in case you're interested in creating business cards for yourself, that's what we found. And um, it's actually pretty easy to find good designs and then just, like you said, make them eight and a half by 11, the size of a sheet of paper you would use in your printer anyway, and then you can put them on a flash drive, you know, save them. Um, and if you have everything all ready to print, then you just need to take it in, and a lot of these places can do it the same day even. You might, might take them, you know, you might have to wait a couple of hours or more, but you know, if you need them quick, that's a good way. We found out lately. Um, I don't even remember what it costs, but we basically made them up here on our computer and then put them on a flash drive, I think, the files, and then took them in, and Frank had them printed, and it was probably like about 30 dollars, I forget. Um, I think there were 500 of them. So anyway, he says it costs the same as what it, a package of do-it-yourself cards would cost, which is pretty true. I think it was $2 more than the package that I had bought for like $30. I'm pretty sure there were $30. I could be wrong. <laughs> but anyway, so, and you get a lot more cards than if you were to buy that package of do-it-yourself once you get them you'll get them you know for a little bit more money like a couple dollars more and you'll get a heck of a lot more cards and they'll look a lot better probably um so there's that anyway so getting back to this article 10 ways to make money on your own land by anita evangelista um, so the next thing we're talking about, raising small stock. So she and her husband, you know, they kept rabbits in the city and made a profit. And we actually know people that have done this type of thing um, in our area, or we know that they do this type of thing. And they've done many different things to make money, um, you know, like raising tropical fish or whatever it is. Um, so what do people buy in your area? Is it an animal you'd like to raise? How about parakeets, finches, or cockatiels? Small space requirements with potential sales to pet shops. Rats are interesting pets, smart and breed rapidly. Exotic colors or hairless rats, which reproduce just as well as white ones, sell for higher rates. Guinea pigs and hamsters remain popular, though low profit pets. Dogs and cats are perennial sellers. Keeping a pair of cats or small dogs in a city or country residence requires no more effort than keeping a single one. They can produce one to two litters per year or four to six offspring each time. Aim to produce healthy animals in desired breeds and colors. Smaller dogs cost less to feed than big ones and sell more readily. Read extensively about dog or cat breeding. If you haven't kept unneutered animals before they behave differently than fixed ones and breeding may require specialized skills or equipment. 
Acquire good quality registered breeding stock from unrelated healthy lines. Avoid show winners since they are bred more for looks than for health or personality. Watch out for fad animals, though, iguanas, hedgehogs, pot-bellied pigs, emus, and monkeys. They go through phases of public interest and price fluctuations that make Wall Street look tame. Remember, if you consider breeding small stock, that there will be veterinary costs, vaccinations, registration costs, feed requirements, and cages, plus cleaning, handling, walking, and daily care. Healthy, clean, vibrant animals command the highest prices, too. If you like the small stock you raise, it won't be a chore. I would caution you not to sell to pet brokers. However, both because you can't control how your infants are handled by the broker and because your profit will be much smaller than selling directly to the new owners. Check out the pets for sale in your local newspaper or an area of the, you know, like Craigslist or something, for an idea of the profit potential and what people are buying locally. I know I've seen, um, like, let me think, chihuahuas go for like $1,000, it seems. So that's like a small animal that seems pretty profitable. But anyway, there's a whole lot of different animals out there that, you know, you might decide to, to raise, to breed, whatever. Um, hospitality and retreat. If you have several acres of land and an attractive rural location, no matter how far out, consider offering a retreat or holiday getaway spot. Or, hey, a day on the farm for the kids, stuff like that. They can learn how to milk cows or goats or make cheese or make butter, which would be a lot easier than making cheese, although, hey. You could show them how to make an easy cheese like mozzarella or something. Um, and different things like that where they get to feed the animals, um, go on a hayride or something. Um, I know there's there's places around here that do that. And there's even places around here I've seen, I don't know how close by maybe, but I've seen them on Craigslist where they will teach you a skill. Like, hey, you know, you want to raise goats? Come to our farm and learn how to do that, you know. Learn how to milk them. Learn how to to do everything you need to do, you know, to be your own goat herder. <laughs> so, and they allow you to come there, and basically they're getting the free labor, and you're learning a skill. It's like you're an intern or something. You're not getting paid, but, hey, you're learning a valuable skill. And you can try it out and see if it's for you or not for you. It's kind of like job shadowing or something. And I think everybody should have to do that in high school, you know, or wherever, maybe middle school even. Um, They don't even teach you anything, it seems, these days in schools that you really need to learn about life skills. But instead of just, you know, sending you off to college, which is what most people typically do, and then they get out and they can't find a job, I think it would be a great thing to have to, you know, shadow different people on their jobs and see what those jobs are like before you decide you want to go to school for four years or whatever and and do that type of job. You know, you should get a feel for what it's like in a typical day for that person. Um, So I think that would be a good idea to, to have all the kids do different things, you know, whether it's an artist or you know, a graphic artist or a cook or a baker or candlestick maker, whatever it is, you know. 
an engineer and a nurse, whatever. I couldn't be a nurse, um, not in a typical hospital anyway, um, because I wouldn't agree with giving people pharmaceutical drugs and all the stuff they have to do. And um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I couldn't do that. But anyway, so that would be a good idea, I think. And it would be a good idea if you have children to maybe find somebody that would be willing to show them what a typical day of work would be like. And and maybe they would change their mind about wanting to do that particular career. Or they would be even more interested in it once they were able to have that experience. Okay, so... If you have several acres of land in an attractive rural location, no matter how far out, you could consider offering a retreat or holiday getaway spot. You could have a bed and breakfast, you know, if you have a nice old home, Victorian home or two-story or whatever home or something like that, maybe. Um, Although I don't think everybody's cut out to do that. You could even rent a room in your house. I knew a lady I used to work for, and she rented a room of her house out for a thousand I think it was a thousand or twelve hundred dollars a month just for a room in her home. And I know not everybody would be wanting to do that or willing to do that, but if you are, you can make some decent money doing that. And she lived around a, a college campus where people came even from out of the country. So they were like foreign exchange students. Um you know, and that's and she just had an endless supply of people that wanted to live near the the college where she happened to live near, and so she always kept her room rented out. And then she also cared for elderly people, not in her home, but she would go care for them, you know, and get paid a good amount for that on the weekend or whatever. Um, and before that, she owned her own restaurant, so. You know, she was the type of person that liked to think of different ways to make money than most people would think of, I guess, and and be her own boss a lot of the time. Or make extra money, just like I said, running out of room in her home. So typically customers for the retreat or holiday getaway spot service are upscale or middle upper folk who just want to get away from their usual life into a facsimile of country or wilderness living for a time. Facsimile is the key word here. Most often, these clients don't want the discomforts of rural living. They don't want flies, odors, power outages, or exposure to real weather. They want to see cows and horses, perhaps pet a goat, and hold an egg minutes after it came from the chicken. They will require phone, electric, internet, Wi-Fi, air conditioning, and thermostat-controlled winter heating. This customer base will pay a premium for the country experience, and $750 to $1,500 per week is not unrealistic. That was written in 2002, by the way. So this is, you know, I'm sure the expenses have gone up. But then again, they may not have. Um, so it just depends, you know, where you live, what you can charge, and... Um, if there's other people around you providing that service, find out what they're charging. Um, so keep in mind that these will be high-input clients who expect to have their whims catered to. The return may make it worthwhile for you. Another thing, if you're a good cook, you could be a personal chef for somebody, even if it's not living with them, but just 
going to their home, you know, maybe you do live somewhere where people that have a lot of money live and they don't want to cook or they don't know how to cook or they don't have time to cook or all of the above. And you could go to their home and cook however many meals and and have them all ready and, you know, freeze them for the people, for, for instance. And then they could just take it out of the freezer, maybe let it thaw in the fridge or something and pop it into the oven and they have, like, you know, a nice meal. Um, and then you could make things to go along with that. That would be easy for them to prepare as well. And then you would have to clean up afterwards and do all that. But that's one way to avoid having to cook in your own home and go through all those, you know, bureaucratic red tape hoops and stuff and expenses by being a personal chef for somebody else. So um, alternatively, consider appealing to the back-to-nature person who just wants a little rough cabin on a hillside. People also like to own cabins just to go hunting. So, you know, there are places, if you have your own land, where you could allow people to come and hunt on your land, make some money that way. Or maybe you could be a guide for them on a fishing trip or something. Okay, so we'll be back and learn more ways to make money off of your own land and other stuff that you need to know on the other side, so stick around.
shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. have denied internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it. Nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now.
Welcome back to New World Order Info, and it's the last part of my live show tonight on Monday, October 5th, 2015. I'm Melissa Roxanne, and you're listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com. So I am giving you some info from an article um, written by... Anita Evangelista, and it's titled, Ten Ways to Make Money on Your Land. So, we heard a lot of different things, and we were, the last part where I left off was about, um, for those of you that do have some land, um, some people just want a little rough cabin on a hillside, a clean burning oil lamp in silence with daily organic food deliveries to their door, of course. This individual or family may be seeking long country walks, contemplation, and inner renewal, and is generally low input and largely self-sustaining. This was written in 2002, and at that time, it says here, rates of 300 to $500 per week would be reasonable. If you consider this option, write a very clear brochure that details all services offered and all services not offered that someone might expect. Figure liability insurance into your startup costs and how you might respond if guests trashed your facility or accidentally set fires. An interesting bed and breakfast in my region is located in a rehabilitated mansion located in the middle of the city on its own Stream crossed and three, actually, tree-shrouded acre. The way the grounds are laid out, guests often think they are deep in the country and city noises rarely filter into the rooms. A selling feature of the place is that there are no telephones, TV, videos, smoking, or alcohol in the rooms. This might be considered a liability elsewhere. Most places, I think it would be. However, in this facility, peace and quiet are the main selling points. Rooms run $100 to $180 per night, $700 to $1,260 weekly, and the place is almost always full. Advertise online to reach the largest audience, yourname.com. Websites run about $20 per month. Or even less. I think they're more like ten, eleven dollars per year um, for you know the actual domain name, and then you just have to have a hosting company to for the monthly hosting fee, um, which I don't know what that runs. Probably less than twenty a month, though. And search vacation retreats to see the vast potential in this option. And here's another way to make money. Be being a middleman, that's what they call it. If you enjoy exploring country auctions and have a good eye for local costs versus prices for the same items in large metro areas, you might be a natural middleman, middle person, if you want to be politically correct. Um, so she says, when we're raising sheep, a clean, shorn fleece from heirloom breeds of sheep, like Cotswold, Jacobs, Lincolns, for example, were hard to sell in the country. They were too different from the plain white commercial wools that wholesalers wanted. 
Jacob fleece with its white, brown, and black colors was discounted by buyers to as low as 23 cents per pound back in, you know, before 2002. But in the city, a single pound of the same Jacob wool sold for $8 to $10 at specialty shops, and they were only getting 23 cents a pound where they lived in their area. So a middleman who was willing to pick up, say, 100 pounds of Jacob wool and pay a fair $1 per pound to the shepherd could drive that wool a couple hundred miles and turn that $100 investment into four to $500, half what the retail store charges. And I would call this a reseller if it were me, but I guess you could call it middleman. The secret is knowing where to find the product and where to sell it. Begin by checking out products for which you already have an interest. Antiques, oil paintings, quilts, old farm tools, classic cars. Compare local prices in the newspaper with prices in various big city papers. Actually, go to eBay and do what I told you. Go to the um, the advanced little section there and then type in the name of the product and you would go to completed for... Whoever has sold that product in the last 90 days, some people didn't sell it. So maybe they auctioned it off on eBay or put buy now and nobody bought it. So you can see those. And then you can see the ones that did sell. And they'll have the date they sold listed and the amount of money they sold for and the amount for shipping if there was a shipping fee. And then you can really get an idea of what things would at least sell for on eBay, and then in turn, people usually, you know, you could look at the highest amount they're getting and the lowest amount they're getting and, you know, decide what you want to sell it at, maybe be somewhere in the middle or whatever. Um, or, hey, if, if it's something really desired, something very desirable, and you can make a certain amount on eBay. Maybe just stick to selling it on eBay and get the highest price, you know, or say, this is what it's going for on eBay. Here's what you would have to pay shipping. I have this item right now, you know, and maybe charge them the same or a little less or or maybe more. Some people would charge them more because, hey, you're paying more to get the item right now versus having to wait to get it from eBay. And then the person may decide, well, I'll wait and pay less or I want it right now, so I'll pay that, you know, fee to have the convenience of having it right now and not having to wait on it to come in the mail or, you know, pay shipping or whatever. Um, so that's a good way to, to determine the worth of things. If it has sold on eBay in the last 90 days, you can quite frequently find things on eBay that have and. You know, go to the advanced section because I, I get tired. When I see, I go to thrift shops even, and they print out a piece of paper or something, you know, with the product they're selling used at a thrift store normally. And they'll be like, oh, it's going on eBay for $100, you know, plus shipping. But they're not going to the sold section on eBay, the advanced section. They're just going for whatever anybody's asking, and anybody can ask anything. That doesn't mean they're going to get it, you know what I'm saying? So to me, you know, if anything, they should be printing it out from the section that tells people what it's sold for in the past 90 days because, like I say, you know, it actually sold for that amount. Somebody was willing to pay it. 
And sometimes 10 or 15 or 20 people are willing to pay that same amount. So then, you know, that's what it's worth. That's what people are paying kind of thing versus, you know, what somebody's asking for on eBay could be a crazy amount of money that they're never going to sell it for. So I, I disagree when they do that. But anyway, that's a good idea and a way to check what something's worth or what it went for. And, you know, people break down things. I there's a lot of people that resell, and they're making a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand a year doing it. Um, so a lot of people are making over a hundred thousand a year, or making at least fifty thousand or more a year just by buying and reselling things. And you may think that's not possible, but I know it is, and I know there's a lot of people out there doing it. And you can go to YouTube and watch videos of these people doing that kind of thing. You know, and the thing is, if you go to eBay and maybe you're interested in doing this, the thing to do really is to go to that advanced section that I told you about and click on completed sales and then choose highest price plus shipping, you know, at the bottom and 200 results. And and then find out whatever it is you're interested in or maybe you just look for things that you could easily find in your area in thrift stores or garage sales or whatever, estate sales or or auctions and find out what the the highest price things are, you know, what they are, what they look like, how to identify them and then look for those things. And... um you know, there's people selling remote controls to different things because everybody has electronic devices and they lose their remote control or maybe it quit working or something. And, I mean, I went to a thrift store over the weekend and they were selling those remote controls for a dollar a piece at this particular thrift store. I don't know what they go for normally because I don't really pay attention, but that seemed to be the cheapest price I think I've seen them for, and they had a whole bin full. And I know people are making, you know, they're selling those for $20, $30 or more. So right there, you're making way more than what you paid for it. And they show you on these videos how to test them out, how to test out the remotes in the store to make sure they work before you get them. And then you can look them up if you have a smartphone or some way to get online, you know, in the store. I never do. I don't have a smartphone. I don't even have a cell phone. And uh, I just, I don't know, I come across things a lot of the time that I know are worth money, and I buy them, you know. But um, I found all kind of things that way. And usually when I come home and I look them up, you know, for the most part, it's something that's worth some money a lot more than what I paid for it. So that's just a way, and people out there that are, making a lot of money reselling will tell you the same things I've just told you, you know. Some people, they go to thrift stores or garage sales or estate sales and they look for gold and silver, jewelry, for example, and they make a lot of money doing that. I've not really done that ever. I mean, I have looked somewhat, like, for silver and stuff, you know, silver trays and different things, but it's hard to find. But then again, some of them have a really good... Um, you know, they're blessed because they, they might find a couple of silver trays at a thrift store. One guy did that I saw a video on, and they were worth something like $1,200 because the people at the thrift store don't know the marks 
to recognize that it was, you know, other than silver plated. And so it was more like almost pure silver, you know, point uh, nine 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 whatever. So anyway, and so they didn't recognize the mark or look it up, and they priced it for a couple dollars or something, and this guy ended up making thousands of dollars. Um, I bought a silver-plated... Um, it is... I'm trying to think of the word for it. Uh, a Lazy Susan. It's really fancy. It's like a beautiful silver platter, but it's on a Lazy Susan. And it's engraved in 1966 was the date. Um, it was some officer's club in the military, like the Military Wives Club. And I looked it up and everything at some place in Texas. So I forget where. But anyway, um, I got it for five bucks at a garage sale, and it was worth 100 on eBay. So, you know, things like that. I've bought a triple fuel, whatever you want to call it, um, refrigerator. I've told you about that. I got it for, it was marked $5, but I got it at an estate sale and it was the last day of the estate sale where everything was half price. So I got it for um, $2.50 and it works on AC power, DC power, and propane. So there's that and those cost a lot and that would be worth a lot of money if I decide to sell it versus you know, maybe keeping it. I'd like to keep it. Frank says sell it. Um, let's see. Those are just a few things. I mean, I've bought a lot of other things. And, you know, I got a set of plates. Um, there were nine of them. They're like porcelain plates that people collect and by a famous artist. Um, and I looked them up after I got home. And they're going for like $45 each plus shipping. And I got them for $3. So, you know, it just depends. You know, you're not going to always luck out or be blessed enough to find things like that. But a lot of times you are. I mean, I do it quite often. Um, I just, I haven't sold anything, but I plan to do so. But I've collected all my life, pretty much. Um, so there's these places, you know, you can go. You can go to thrift stores. You can go to garage sales or thrift stores. Thrift stores, garage sales, and auctions, um, sales that maybe are once or twice a year that different antique stores have. I've been to those kind of festivals. Um, you know, and they call it being a picker. You've, you've heard of that, I'm sure. Some people call it that. Or reselling, being a reseller. Um, and you can specialize in different things. Some people, you know... Some people that are interested in buying things, you may have put, put ads in Craigslist saying, you know, I'm looking for this, you know. Maybe they're making money by selling these things. They're buying them from you, and they're marking them up and reselling them. I mean, there's people that collect that do that, and they'll say, I'm looking for, you know, military memorabilia or whatever it is, World War II memorabilia or certain guns or whatever it is. So these are all different ways to make money that you might think about, too. Um, so this here, this article is talking about how, you know, the secret is knowing where to find the product, where to sell it, and you can begin by checking out products for which you already have an interest, whether it's antiques, oil paintings, quilts, 
I have all of those. Old farm pools, classic cars. Compare local prices in the newspaper with prices in various big city papers. Or go to eBay, like I told you. Um, and then she says, you might also check eBay or other online marketplaces for national rates. I know a couple who sold a doll collection for a relative at a local auction. The dozens of dolls included some dolls that dated back to the Revolutionary War. The collection brought around $300, and the couple received 10% for their efforts. They thought they did pretty well until they found that one single doll from that collection was valued at over $2,000. Imagine if they'd taken the time and gone through the trouble to put the whole collection one by one on eBay or other auctions. Would their time as middlemen have been well spent? Remember, too, that you can middleman single items. One time we found a Japanese antique figurine at a thrift store, bought it immediately for an outrageous for that shop, $14. Walked it across the street to an antique shop and resold it for $125. A week later, we saw it featured in the shop's front window for $300. I've often wondered if the original owner who gave it away to the junk store ever saw it and realized his or her mistake. People do that all the time. They throw away stuff, unbelievable stuff. It makes me sick. You can find stuff on the curb or dumpster diving like crazy. I mean, go to visit apartment buildings and condos and things like that. Near the end of the month, and people that are moving, they're going to put their stuff out, you know, by the dumpster or by the street or whatever, wherever they're told to put it. And a lot of times you can go get those things and fix them up, paint them, whatever, resell them, you know, and there's a lot of people that do that, and they get their stuff for free that way. Um, You can go to garage sales and pick up stuff at the end and resell that, make a lot of money. Okay, it's time for the end of my show. Frank's coming up next for two hours. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful night.
Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
Monday, October 3rd, 2016. It's about seven and a half minutes after 8 p.m. Pacific time. If that's when it is where you're at, we are, in fact, live. And uh, being live, that means you can uh, participate in the show by going to theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. You can also call in 800-932-1980, 800-932-1980. All right. And, yeah, we do have a chat room, so you can go in there and, uh, you know, you can uh, you can just socialize if you'd like, but you can also participate in the show. Uh, <laughs> somebody just put in their pretty cool name, Reptillery. Uh, as a as a new moniker for Hillary Clinton, you know my only concern, and I put it in there that it seems a little unfair to all the other reptiles. You know that that's about you know, I mean I I like lizards and uh, snakes and alligators a lot better than I like Hillary Clinton. Let me tell you. So I don't know, but it's kind of clever and catchy. Anyway. 
All right, that just about covers all the, uh, yes, the massive uh, <laughs> announcements there. Uh, let's just get to stuff here. So, how about a little Debbie Wasserman? Huh? Haven't had enough for her, have you? <laughs> well, you know, hey, she's Hillary's girl, man. She might have got kicked out of the DNC, but, uh, you know, well, the chairman, chairwoman, chair thing, whatever. But she is running or involved in Hillary's campaign. Just goes to show she got rewarded for cheating. Everybody knows she cheated. Everybody knows she geared the whole Democratic Party towards Hillary Clinton. Everybody knows the Democratic Party robbed Bernie Sanders supporters. Screw Bernie Sanders. He's an insider. He was nothing but a stalking horse for Hillary Clinton anyway. But all those dimwit supporters out there, hey, they thought he was for real. That's who got screwed, not Bernie Sanders. He got a $600,000 mansion out of the deal. What did the Bernie Sanders supporters get? They got Hillary Clinton. Uh, that's not a good deal. That's not a good deal on a bad day, okay? That that's just not 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 that ain't right, okay? Anyway, but even Hillary, even Debbie Wasserman knows Hillary Clinton. <laughs> she needs to be carried to the finish line. That's what she says. We have to make sure that we will can carry Hillary on our shoulders. What? Yeah, that's what we want. Yeah, we want a, a we want a completely derelict president. You know, somebody who would re- truly represent the country. Mhm. Really is that is that the Is Hillary Clinton really the picture you want to send to the rest of the world? Yes, America, the once great land of the free. And then you see Hillary Clinton, a washed-up, lying, murdering, nasty old witch of a woman. That's what represents America. That's pretty darn sad. Well, anyway, Wasserman, while trying to whip up a lethargic crowd in Coral Springs, Florida, uh, on Friday... This was two Fridays ago, but <laughs> lethargic crowd? Really? That this is a campaign rally? Woohoo! Yeah, there's our campaign. <laughs> no, not at Hillary's campaigns. It isn't the woman who paved the way at the DNC for Clinton's nomination said her supporters will have to carry Hillary on their shoulders to the White House. Oh man. This is the kind of leader you want. Okay, quick. Get get the general in his wheelchair. Come on, let's tow him with us, you know. <laughs> let's get this place wound up, Schultz yelled. Uh, Wasserman Schultz, sorry. Trying to fire up the crowd. I want to hear my people down here in South Florida, she said. I know you have a little more adrenaline than I'm feeling in this room right now, don't you? No. Listen. They're Democrats and they hate. Hillary Clinton. They're just stuck with her, and they're so stupid that they have to say, well, hey, you know, I'm a Democrat. What else am I going to do? i got to vote for Hillary. 
She then implored attendees to sign up to help Hillary because there is so much at stake in this election, and we have to make sure that we can carry Hillary Clinton on our shoulders to the White House in 38 days from now. Oh, really? Man, that's uh, that's nice. So come on, get out them wheelchairs and let's strap Hillary to them and wheel her into the White House. Whether, you know, yeah, okay. Anyway, so don't worry about Obamacare going broke. No, no. Yeah, don't worry about that. Because the Obama administration may use obscure fund to pay billions to ACA insurers. That's what Obamacare is actually called, the Affordable Care Act. (laughs) That's almost as funny as the Patriot Act. Yes, this is real patriotic. We're going to take away all your rights. Yay, patriotic. The Obama administration is maneuvering to pay health insurers billions of dollars the government owes under the Affordable Care Act through a move that could circumvent Congress and help shore up the president's signature legislative achievement before he leaves office. Justice Department officials have privately told several health plans suing over the unpaid money that they are eager to negotiate a broad settlement which could end up offering payments to about 175 health plans selling coverage on the ACA marketplaces, according to insurance executives and lawyers familiar with the talks. The payments would most likely draw from an obscure Treasury Department fund intended to cover federal legal claims, the executives and lawyers said. Yeah, so uh, next time the government gets sued, they won't have the money to pay any any fines or damages or anything like that because they just paid off the insurance companies. So they're going to take money that is set aside for victims who actually sue the federal government and win settlements, meaning they have been victimized. They're going to take that money from them and give it to Health insurance companies. Isn't that sweet? Nice, huh? This approach would get around a recent congressional ban on the use of health and human services money to pay the insurers. The start of negotiations came amid an exodus of health plans from the insurance exchanges that are now at the heart of the law. More than 10 million Americans have gained coverage through the workplaces since they opened in 2014. Yeah, okay, more than 10 million Americans. You see, this is the Washington Post, so. Yeah, but that, that's great. 10 million Americans have gained. Well, okay, what about people who had health insurance before that? Do you know what happened to them? Because you realize Obama lied, right, when he said you can keep your health plan, you can keep your doctor. Well, you can't keep either, okay? You can't keep your health plan. What they did was they canceled your health insurance and then signed you up on the Obamacare. And, of course, you had to pay more. Now, you're one of those 10 million. Are you happy? Yeah, because now you get to pay more 
on the Affordable Care Act. Yay! Uh, let's see. But many insurers are losing money on their new customers. Really? Well, then I guess maybe start a new business. But no! And why are they losing money? Well, because their new customers tend to be relatively sick and expensive to treat. As a result, some smaller plants have been driven out of business, and a few major ones are defecting from exchanges for the coming year. The administration's efforts reflect the partisan thorns that still surround the sprawling law a half dozen years after its passage. Yeah, a half dozen? That sounds like a lot. It's six years, folks. You know what? Prohibition was the law of the land a lot longer than that, and they got rid of it. Okay, so don't tell me you can't get rid of Obamacare and go back to the way it used to be. Oh, yes, you can. Okay, now I'm not saying the way it used to be was good, but it's better than this. And these lying... Ooh, I almost said a bad word. Keep telling you, oh, well, you know, it's just so complicated. It's just so we just can't do it. Oh, yeah, you can. It's repealed. It's over. Goodbye. That's it. Oh, sorry. If you got hurt because you're a big business who thought you were going to make money, well, you're not. You were wrong. Sorry. Lick your wounds and go do something else. The payouts that officials want to salvage were part of an ACA strategy to help the marketplaces flourish early on. But Republican opponents in Congress branded them an insurance industry bailout and restricted the use of HHS funds. A settlement probably would rely on Thursday's Treasury Judgment Fund, a 1950s creation that has allowed as much money as it needs to satisfy valid claims against the government. The fund's website shows that it has been used for a few hundred claims against HHS in the past decade. Taken together, they amounted to about $18 million, a fraction of what the insurers are owed. In the administration's waning months, officials are continuing their upbeat portrayal of all aspects of the law. Behind the scenes, they think that making these payments to insurers to the tune of... Now, remember up here, in the last 10 years, this uh, Treasury fund has paid out $18 $18 million, okay, and that's what it's for. Well, uh, payments to these insurers, $2.5 billion for 2014, and it's a yet undisclosed sum for 2015. I can guarantee you it's more than $2.5 billion. It's crucial to the exchange's well-being. It's a legacy item for the White House, said Dan Mendelson, president of the health consulting firm Avalare and an advisor on the payout effort. It's more than just a lawsuit. It's really about the future and stability of these markets. Kill those markets! Okay, they're never, ever going to make it. This is a bad idea, it's a bad plan, and it'll never work. GOP lawmakers are already beginning to cry foul. 
It's an end run on the clear intent of Congress, said Representative H. Morgan Griffith. The money in question involves one of three strategies to help coax insurers into the marketplaces by promising to cushion them from unexpected high expenses for their new customers. This particular strategy, known as risk corridors, was for the marketplace's first three years when it was unclear how many people would sign up and how much medical care they would use. The idea, patterned after a similar arrangement for health plans that sell Medicare drug benefits, is to balance out insurance costs by requiring those with unexpectedly low expenses to pay into the fund that would be used to compensate companies with unexpectedly high expenses. So no matter what, folks, See, you're paying for everybody else's health care. The government, Obama, just decided, hey, guess what you're going to be doing? You're going to pay for everybody's health care, whether you like it or not. And you know what? Fine. If you're somebody out there that thinks, boy, if I get the sniffles, if I feel sick, I'm going to the hospital, I'm going to the doctor, and I don't care, you know, somebody's paid for it. Okay, I get it. You know, you're putting into a pool, you're gambling that you will get sick someday and that you want them there and you want to have free health care for you. So you're paying for it now. Okay, I get that. But what about people like me who do not believe in allopathic medicine, who would never walk into a hospital or a doctor's office, huh? Not of my own free will. So what about me? What about you out there that feel the same way? Why should you have to pay for other people's care in a way that you don't even believe in? See, Obama decided. And your Congress. The program originally was not supposed to pay for itself, but two years ago, the Republican-led Congress restricted HHS from using any of its other money for that purpose. The risk corridors in 2014, the crunch began, uh, became apparent last fall when federal health officials announced that they faced an enormous gap because so many more health plans incurred high expenses for their ACA customers than low ones. For that reason, HHS made less than $400 million in 2014 risk corridor payments, just 12.6% of $2.9 billion it owed. Beyond the 175 insurers owed money for the first year, health officials have not said how many need to be paid for 2015. Hey, does this tell you something about doing business with the U.S. government? They're deadbeats. How much are they due or how much money is available? But in a five-paragraph memo this month, HHS Centers for Medical and Medicaid Services said any money that is available will be put toward the government still owes for 2014. The risk corridor payments are an obligation of the federal government. Acting Administrator Andy Slabbitt told a recent House hearing, the shortfall has contributed to the collapse of most of the 23 nonprofit consumer oriented health plans created under the ACA, forcing several hundred thousand people to find new coverage again. Just six co ops remain 
Four of them, including two that have closed, are among the seven insurers suing the government for lack of payment. CMS spokesman Aaron Albright referred questions to the Justice Department. Justice spokeswoman Nicole Nabis declined to confirm the settlement talks because the litigation is pending. One health care, uh, one health plan executive whose attorney has spoken with justice officials said the department is trying to reach an agreement with suing insurers in the next two weeks on what percentage of the remaining $2.5 billion would be paid out. At that point, the same offer would be made to every other insurer owed money. A judge would need to approve the arrangement according to the executive. So, you know what? You're not getting your money. Stephen Swedlow, a lawyer for Health Republic Insurance in Oregon, a co-op that was forced to close early this year, said he is preparing a settlement proposal to send to justice. said Health Republic Chief Executive Don Bonder. I don't think DOJ is making a secret that they would like the lawsuits to go away. Yeah, the lawsuits to go away, they don't have the money. Okay? They don't have the money. Now, how about this? USA Today. I, I got an email today. I, I had this story up on my uh, screen ready to go. And then I get this email, and it's the same thing. USA Today, and these people said, you know, boycott USA Today. I agree. Because USA Today, listen to this, the editorial board has never taken sides in the presidential race. We're doing it now. Oh, I'm shocked. And guess who they're supporting? That's right, Hillary Clinton. Isn't it a surprise? Oh, yeah. They say Trump is erratic, that he's been on so many sides of the issues, blah, blah, blah. You know, wait a minute. We we need to look at Hillary Clinton. How many times has she flip-flopped? She said she loved NAFTA. Oh, now she doesn't like NAFTA. Her husband signed it. She said she loved the TPP. It was the gold standard in trade agreements. Now she's against it because everybody knows what a pile of crap it is. She was she was against same-sex marriage. Now she's for it. I can just rattle these off the top of my head. Then they go on, he is ill-equipped to be commander-in-chief. Really? Why is that? Well, because, I'll tell you why, they've got all the people like little Robert Gates here, and the rest of the little warmongers that are all happy to send your children off to die, but they'd never set foot in a dangerous place unless they were surrounded by other men's, other people's children to protect them. Yeah. Yeah, because Trump said, hey, you know what? NATO's worthless. We pay all the bills. We provide all the troops. What's the big deal about NATO? Oh, well, I'll tell you what's the big deal about NATO. NATO is destined, okay, to be the New World Order Army. It is the United Nations strong arm. What do you think, that UN peacekeepers? They can't do anything. Okay, UN peacekeepers are, are, are worthless thugs, man. 
And I mean worthless thugs, meaning, you know, they're not much of a troublesome thug even, except in places where there's nothing but sticks and stones and rocks to throw at them. Well, America got guns, okay? Little blue hats wouldn't do very well here. But NATO, oh, NATO means the United States. Because everywhere we go, you look at the NATO troops. Oh, yeah, we got NATO troops here. Let's see, there's 15,000 Americans. Uh, there's uh, 147 Englishmen. Uh, there's three Frenchmen. And there's two Germans. Ooh, it's an international strike force. Yeah, sure it is. It's all American. We pay the bills. We provide the soldiers. Why should we be in NATO? Why disband it? Why should we even be in it? Oh, and he wants to actually not go to World War III with Russia. Well, you know, hey, the industrial, uh, military industrial congressional uh, complex isn't going to like that much. That's going to ca- cut into their profit margin. He traffics in prejudice. <gasps> oh, yeah, sure. Like, we don't have an immigration problem in this country. I mean, every day. And the media does its very best to cover it up, too. But yet, it's still getting out. There are hundreds and hundreds of attacks from illegal aliens, whether they're from Syria or Mexico or some other godforsaken cesspool. Raping our women, killing our children, blowing up our buildings, things like that. Yeah. So, yeah, immigration needs to be restricted. That's not racist. It's, well, it's, well, I'd say it's presidential. He isn't leveling with the American people. Oh, really? And and what's the leveling? Is Trump as rich as he says? <laughs> Is Trump as rich as he says? So that's really the that's the thing. You're not rich enough. Give me a break. He's, is he as rich as he says? Is Hillary Clinton as poor as she said? She said she was flat broke. What a lying hoe she is, huh? And her little dog, Bill. His business career is checkered. Well, there you go. You see, Hillary's got him on that, seeing as how she's never been in business, never had a real job, always been subsidized by government. She's a welfare hoe to boot. He speaks recklessly. Oh, and words her, right? He has coarsened the national dialogue. Oh, my gosh. Oh, they call him a liar. Oh, my gosh. you got to be kidding me. Although polls show that Clinton is considered less honest and trustworthy than Trump, it's not even a close contest. Yeah, and then they go to say, but we've decided, you know, that he... Uh, you know. Oh, but they say this editorial doesn't represent an unqualified support for Hillary Clinton. Oh, really? So who is exactly, you know, what are you saying here? You can't vote for Trump. What, uh, Jill Stein, maybe? How about the phony Gary Johnson libertarian not? Huh? Because I'll tell you something. Gary Johnson ain't no libertarian at all. Not even close. 
He's a carpetbagger that weaseled his way into the uh, Libertarian Party. God knows how, but he did. But he ain't no liberal. I mean, he ain't no libertarian. He is a liberal. Anyway, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a bit.
message from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. Worried about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time? I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preservatives, Conservatives or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's still Monday, October 3rd, 2016, 844 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. Call-in number is 800-932-1980. The website is theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. We have a chat room there. you got all the links. Everything you need to know about this network is there. Anyhow, okay, let's get on to some things and stuff. Uh... Okay, I can't uh, respond in chat room right now because i got to get on with this. Uh, let's see here. Hey, did you know that there are like uh, 185,000 U.S. oil pipelines that leak every single day? You see, we sit out here and we go, oh boy, you know, these, these dirty, rotten environmentalists. These these terrible, terrible, horrible people, you know, and it's like, well, wait a minute. See, from here, you think, what's the big deal? So they want to put a pipeline. It's great. You know, it moves oil or gas from wherever to wherever. It's good. It's great. It helps everybody out. What's your problem? Well, the problem is they leak, you see. You know, and if you live where they leak, hey, that really sucks for you. Sucks for your groundwater, sucks for your animals, sucks for everything around you, huh? Kind of wrecks where you live. That's why people don't want pipelines going through there. Um, the protests surrounding the Dakota Access Pipeline, the ones you're not seeing on the mainstream news are not without good cause. The following are just a few of the major leaks that the mainstream media has refused to tell you about. You don't hear about this. 185,000 leaks? Come on, man. And they're not telling us? There are 185,000 miles of liquid oil pipelines alone. In January 2015, we saw two major pipeline leaks in North Dakota. Um... The spills there saw more than 6 million gallons of oil leaking into the environment. They say oil products, so that could be some petrochemicals also. Approximately 252,000 gallons as well as 336,000 of gas leaked when the Colonial Pipeline exploded in Alabama. I'm not going to go through all of it, folks, but you know what? Look. They are playing fast and loose with these things. And everybody always says, oh, it's them darn Republicans that always let business run amok, destroy the environment, screw people's lives over. Well, guess what, man? We have had eight years of a Democrat president, and half of that time he had a Democratic Congress. So uh, who's the one really screwing over everybody, huh? Well, they both are, obviously, is the correct answer. But, hey, you know what? The Democrats don't get a pass on this at all. Now, here's something I want to talk about. And, you know, I guess I'll give a, a little disclaimer before I get started. I'm not advising anybody to do anything. I'm giving you my opinion. 
okay? I'm entitled to my opinion, regardless of how much you don't like it, how violent, nasty, and mean my opinion might be. Here's the title, Do Not Resist, A Chilling Look at the Normalization of Warrior Cops. I heard today somebody, I'm not going to mention them on the air, say, uh, well, you know, you only have one chance, one legal chance, and that's to uh, comply. You know what? No. You better get something straight. The police are our servants. We don't comply. If they have a job, if there's something that, okay, well, then fine. What do you want? But this business about, uh, hey, you're not allowed to film us. I am. Oh, no, well, we'll see about that. We'll just beat you up. We'll pepper spray you. We'll arrest you. We might even kill you. Do not resist. A chilling look at the normalization of warrior cops. The haunting thing about the new policing documentary is what it doesn't show. There are no images of cops beating people. No viral videos of horrifying shootings. Sure, there are scenes from the Ferguson protests in which riot cops deploy tear gas, but there's no blood, no tasing, no death. Then it's over. You know, really? What makes this movie so powerful is the terrifying portrayal of the mundanities of I think they made that word up, but anyway, of modern policing. I watched the movie weeks ago, but there are scenes that still flicker in my head. We all remember the clashes between police and protesters in Ferguson. We've seen the photos, we saw the anger and the uh, ominous exchange across the protest lines. What we didn't see were the hours and hours before and after those moments. What we didn't see... The MRAPs and the other armored vehicles roll in, one at a time, slowly transforming an American town into a war zone. We didn't hear the clomp of combat boops on asphalt in the quiet hours of the early morning, interrupted only by buzzy dispatches over police radios. It's one thing to show an MRAP, a vehicle built for war, and for a very specific purpose in a very specific type of war, but being misused after a small-town police agency's obtained it from the Defense Department. Folks, you know what? My opinion is to resist at all times, by any means you can. Now, sometimes that isn't very effective because there's not, you know, a lot you can do. But you should, you should still do it. Yeah, that's right. In my opinion, take your beating. I've taken mine, but I've taken quite a lot of beatings from the police, actually. Because my opinion is my opinion, and it's how I conduct myself most of the time. I mean, look, my attitude is... I didn't call you. I'm not saying, hey, you, come here. I'm not the one interfering with your day. You're interfering with my day. What do you want? If you're going to be a jerk, then I'm going to be a bigger jerk. If you're going to be decent, I can be decent. That's my way of looking at things. And no, if you're going to be a jerk and give me attitude, I am not complying. And as I've gotten older, 
have gotten more adamant than that. Like I've mentioned before, I used to be defenseless other than, you know, my arms and legs, what I could do that way. But I'm not anymore. And I will not be victimized by the police. If we're going to have that kind of an encounter, we're all going to be victims. In my opinion. So, while the Democrats are sitting there making up stories, okay, and they are making up stories about how the big bad Russians are interfering with our election process, which is BS, they're really not. Ah, but what about the what about the Democrats and their pals? You know, the other globalists. And really, folks, that is the problem. It isn't just the Democrats. I think a lot of you must be, you know, kind of figuring that out now, right? That, look, the Republicans didn't want Donald Trump. Why? Because he's not a globalist. At least he's not talking like a globalist. So, they make up stories about Russia interfering with our elections. Meanwhile, UN news agency scrubs a tweet calling on Americans abroad to, quote, end Trump. Uh-huh. Oh, but they wiped it off of there. But hey, guess what? We saw it. The, new, the United Nations News Center, the official U.N. news service, tweeted, then quickly pulled a post that called for 8 million Americans abroad to stop Trump. The tweet, published at 9.14 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday, urged American expats to share a voter registration tool on the website of the activist organization ABAAS. That states U.S. citizens abroad could defeat Trump if they voted. The webpage titled The October Surprise That Will End Trump allows users to sign up for help registering to vote in the November. You know what? I really don't think. And, you know, you can, again, my opinion. I think if you're going to go live abroad... And I don't mean vacation, okay? I mean you're living abroad. You've got your family abroad. You're living abroad. You're either living abroad because you're working for a company or whatever you're doing. You're living abroad. You should not be able to vote in U.S. elections. Okay? Because, look, you're not living here. Nothing any of these people do affect you. So you shouldn't have any. You know what? You can vote when you come back home. This crap about that is no good. Now, look. Military soldiers, that's a different story. Because you are in a foreign country serving the United States government. Now, be very clear that I draw a line between serving the government and serving the people of the United States. And you soldiers, I got bad news for you. You are not serving the people of the United States. You are serving the government of the United States. Let's be clear on that. Don't fool yourselves into thinking you're doing anything for me or anybody else in this country because you're not. You're not protecting us because you know what? 
if you were protecting us, you'd be sitting down around El Paso. Yeah, that's where you'd be. You'd be down on the southern border protecting us. You'd be rounding up these Syrian refugees and throwing them back in the ocean to get back to Syria. But you're not. You're actually creating the situation so the government can justify shipping all these people over here. And I realize most of you don't have much say in it, so, you know, it's really not your 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 doing. Anyway. So we have the UN interfering with our elections. And it's not just a dream. It's not just an idea. It's not just a campaign. They're doing it. They actually did it. They sent out a tweet and then realized, oh, how come we are not getting days and days of the UN is trying to, the globalists are trying to infiltrate our election system. Hmm. German officials could be about to find themselves in an uncomfortable position being called on to show they're ready to rescue a bank in a part of the world where such operations are considered taboo. Deutsche Bank came under intensified market fire Thursday, the latest salvo being a Bloomberg report that a small number of hedge funds are trimming their sales at the German bank. Well, let me tell you something else about Deutsche Bank. Is... uh. They're the ones that was dealing with this company that was selling gold certificates, you know, so you don't have to go through all the horrible inconvenience of having your wealth, you know, at your fingertips in your own house, because good golly, that just takes up so much room. You know, I go down to the the farm store. And now one of the big things they all like to sell are these huge safes, okay? They're they're really big. And they they market them as gun safes, okay? That's why they're at the livestock store, okay? They're gun safes. But, gee, I'm thinking that, you know, I could probably put something else in it if I wanted to. I I, I don't think there's, like, some kind of, like, safe police somewhere that they're going to come in and arrest me. Hey! Hey, is that gold I see in that gun safe? That... What what part of gun safe do you not understand, sir? I'm sorry, you're under arrest, putting gold in a gun safe. Who ever heard of such a thing? Anyway, do you realize if you filled up even a tiny little safe full of gold, how rich you'd be? Yeah, so don't give me that, oh, it's so inconvenient, I don't have a room for that. Yeah, well, anyway, uh, douche bank there was the bank that had all this physical gold, supposedly. So this company's selling it and dealing with the, the bank, saying, okay, this much for this one, this much for that one. And then they decided, oh, okay, guess what? We're changing policies now, uh, right in the middle. Now we got all your money. Uh, we are not delivering physical gold anymore. Nope. That's what Douche Bank did. Said, oh, no, we're not going to give people... You can't cash in your certificate here. You can buy them here. Oh, we'll give you a certificate. We've got your gold. But when you want your gold, you can't have it. You can go, uh, oh, no, you can't have it. Sorry. Nobody else is going to uh, 
you know, give you any gold for that certificate from our bank. So what you can do is go sell it out. You, they'll give you the money, and you can maybe go get physical gold somewhere else. But, you know, that's what they did. They're the same bunch of guys that did that. Yep. So that ought to tell you right there what kind of trouble that bank is in. Okay. I mean, when you've got a business going on that, yeah, this is what we sell, and if you want the money, you can get it, and then they, yeah, you know, then the, the gold, and then they say, oh, well, you know, we've changed our mind. No, you can't have it. Huh. Bummer for those people, huh? Well, anyway, folks, you know, I don't know how many years people on this network have been telling you to get physical delivery of your gold. Do not buy these certificates. It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. Okay, you wouldn't buy guns and ammo and have it stored 3,000 miles away, would you? Come on now, would you? Anybody out there that says yes, stop listening right now, okay? Really. All right, anyway, I can see that I am... Uh, out of time. So if I could find something to play here, I sure would, but I don't seem to be finding it. So I'll just play this and cut it off early, and I'll see you in a few. We got Dean Lauren coming up next. Stay tuned. The political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
All right, welcome back for all you folks that are joining from the first hour. And welcome to everybody just joining now. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is still Monday, October 3rd, 2016. However, now it is about nine and a half minutes after 9 p.m. Pacific time. So, if that's when it is where you're at, we are live. Go to TheAmericanVoice.com or AmericanVoiceRadio.com. Everything you need to know is on the website there. Everything you need to know about this network, not everything you need to know about everything. But uh, the chat room is there, which means you can participate in the show or just socialize with other folks. Anyhow, like I said, it is Monday, as you must realize, being 9 o'clock out here. This is the second hour on Mondays. That means we have Dean Lauren coming to us live from New York City as co-host. Welcome, Dean. Well, how are you, Frank, and how am I coming in? Here's Tino. Yeah, I should do that. Anyway, yeah, I'm doing good. You? Oh, okay. So you thinking about committing suicide? No, no, no. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. So if I end up suicided, uh, it's not by me. Okay, so is there anything we need to discuss tonight on your end before I go into a massive uh, strike? Well, you know, we could talk about, you know, I don't know, what's going on with you today, Dean? Well, I got a list, so that's why I want to talk about it. Oh, okay, so... You were just being polite. You didn't really want to talk about anything else. So, well, I saw a lot of stuff grabbing you. Listen, nah, folks, go this, ahead Friday, this Friday, I am in court in front of Judge Maya, Maya for the surrogate. We're exposing Madoff one more time. Turns out that the attorney who robbed the Simon Goldman is, uh, Goldberg estate, he, uh, he wants to just run away with a million dollars he stole and bill us on top of it for as being a trustee. In fact, they never opened up a trust. (laughs) They haven't given us tax documents. They haven't from, from New York or Canada. And I filed tax evasion complaint with the commissioner of the IRS. Now, Frank. Well, you got to wonder. You got to wonder how you can be a trustee if there's no trust. And bill for it, folks. Well, I mean, what's the point of being a trustee if you can't bill for it? Right. Now, did anybody know that the commissioner of the IRS is up for impeachment by the House? I didn't. Oh, wait a minute. No, I didn't know that. I knew about Lois Lerner, but. No, they actually have brought. Charges against the guy for that runs the IRS, the commissioner, and they want to impeach him. Oh, good. Yeah, and uh, so let's see, IRS. You know, they need impe- <laughs> It's about time they impeach somebody. Right, and it's kind of funny because I went to the House Judiciary guy, and uh, and I asked him. I said, look. Take my complaint for the tax evasion by this guy, uh, 
John Fisher for the Madoffs, and would you please fax it over to the IRS commissioner? Well, I sent them both certified letters, so we'll, we're hoping to get there. But on Friday, folks, for all you people out there listening, the FBI, CIA, Obama, Saudi Arabia, China, I'll be in front of Judge Maya on the fifth floor at 31 Chambers Street at 10 o'clock in the morning, and she's going to let me know if I got to take uh, a stipulation that I signed that was induced by fraud, or we're going to do an accounting, or this man is going to hand over all the tax records. All right? Now, people are asking me, why I am pursuing this. Why don't I just take the $250,000 and shut my mouth up? Well, Frank, I'm reminded of the lyrics. Don't blame me. The impossible dream. You know, that, that musical play. And, you know, in it, it talks about the lone guy who stands there, you know, with all the scars. And because, He's the last man standing because if he falls, everybody falls. And so, you know, when you look at the number, the sheer numbers of the seniors that were robbed by Hillary Clinton through the Madoff funds for Emily list, we're talking at least 10,000 seniors trusts were robbed. Beginning in 1985, Now, let's be clear here. When you say trusts were robbed, now, people don't generally have trusts unless there are significant, you know, there's significant wealth there. Right. And you're saying 10,000 trusts? Yeah, that's how many there were, these seniors. So what you saw, besides the Fred Wilpons and stuff who were taking the money to put into real estate, was the fact that all these seniors' trusts were being robbed by the attorneys. Dean, as a uh, you know, you deal in the law quite a bit, and you know, yeah, hang, attorney. <laughs> hang hang with lawyers, and you know, live at the courthouse and all that stuff. But what would you estimate? And I, you know, it's an estimate on average. What would you estimate if some elderly person actually has a trust? What's the wealth of it? The average, you know, ballpark. Anywhere between eight hundred and fifty to two million. Okay, so yeah, okay, so these are this is, this is substantial money. Yeah, this is money to live on for the rest of their lives. Well, and live well, I'd say. But I mean, you know, the thing Barely, is, no, if you get sick, you you know, it can go. You run right through it. Well, yeah. Well, if you run to the doctor, it will run right through it because you know that's the that's the scheme. Okay. The doctors and the lawyers are almost identical creatures at this point. Okay, so what we're going to talk about tonight is advancement by blood. We're going to talk, we're going back to the Praetorians of Rome. This is where you don't advance with your skills and and, and your knowledge. This is how you advance in government, basically through the police, to the FBI, to the CIA, by killing people that you're told to by the higher-ups, knowing you'll move up the ladder. Okay? So it's advancement by blood, and so we're looking at the assassins in the Second Circuit judicial robes. 
Assassins in judicial robes. That's what we're looking at tonight, folks. Now, coincidentally, Salzoni, uh, a cop who's Im- implemented in this whole big uh, cop scam in, in New York uh, City, shot himself twice in the stomach. Sort of like Vince Foster. Tried to commit suicide, they say. Now, Frank, you're a cop. You know how to commit suicide. Are you really going to shoot yourself twice in the stomach, or are you going to shoot yourself under the chin? Nobody who has any knowledge of guns or, or, or medicine, or trauma medicine, put it that way, is going to ever, ever deliberately shoot themselves in their stomach. That is right. the most worst, horrible, painful way to go, being shot in the stomach. Right. But if somebody comes up to you and shoots you in the stomach as an assassin for being a uh, narc or, you know, a, a rat, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? So he didn't commit suicide. He was being rubbed out and being sent a message. All right, let's talk about that. Advancement by blood. So now, uh, by the way, if Donald Trump ever brings up the allegations that uh, Clinton rubbed out about 75 people. And I'll just end with another issue here. Where is the outrage of four more years with Bush if Hillary gets in? Now that we know that the Bush-Clinton, I'll be president one year, you be president the next deal is a reality. Where's the outrage over the Internet? Where are all the people that said, oh, we thought we, you know, we always knew Mena Airport was the deal. Where are they? Are these people so afraid that they'll lose their jobs to speak up? Or is it worse than we thought, folks? All right. It's It's usually worse than we thought. Because on Thursday, there are. Officially, no more cops moonlighting in their uniforms and with their guns. It turns out that since 1987, uh, Giuliani permitted New York and then the L.A. cops followed by renting out the cops in their uniforms with their service revolvers. So all those cops you saw in stores were actually private contractors and they were wearing their uniforms of the NYPD or the LAPD. See, that right there is a serious breach of trust. You got that because you think they're on duty, don't you? And they're not. They're actually working at B&H Photo or Macy's or something like that. So now, all well, you know, hey, hey, look, I don't begrudge a cop from getting a second job, but, uh, you know, not in your cop uniform. You you know, you want to go work for a security firm, then wear the security firm's uniform at least. And so, folks, all those cops you used to see at Yankee Stadium patrolling, guess what? They were moonlighting. Those weren't real cops. Well, they were real cops, but they were on... The Yankee Stadium ticket, which was the main backer for Giuliani. All right? And so uh, I'll just come out and say that the the name of the pedophiles in Hollywood were named. It's Dominic Brazica, Bra- Brazia, who did uh, 
Friday the 13th, once bitten, playing with fire, busted. Okay, he doesn't seem very significant, so there must be a couple other guys out there who were part of the pedophile ring. Okay, but he was a director, and he was named by uh, uh, Corey Hames' friend, and uh, it turns out that Corey Feldman did, in fact, was the facilitator for uh, setting up all these young guys for the pedophile ring. So that's coming out. Uh, Let's see. We talked about the moonlighting cops. Black market. Now that Europe is falling, Russia and France have merged. They are no longer doing business on the table, but they're doing business behind the scenes under the table in the black market. So they don't have to pay taxes in Europe. With the euro, uh, what is it called? The euro, uh, what's the name of the group there? The United Euros or whatever? I don't know. <laughs> the European Union. Yeah, right? that's the one. Yeah, okay. So, And it came out today that Nigeria got ripped off by Chevron, Royal Dutch Shell, and any oil. Turns out that they were pumping uh, about a million extra barrels of oil and forgetting to tell Nigeria about it. So think about the oil glut on the world market, folks. How many of those barrels were undeclared but put on the market? And I am glad you brought that up, Frank. Because now it turns out in Pennsylvania, you asked about Pennsylvania in Scranton the other day, turns out that all the fracking wells, right? They are no longer paying any royalties or revenues to the owners of the farms. They are now declaring 99% um, uh, fees against the revenues. So they're drawing all the gas out and nobody that's a farmer is getting paid anymore. Well, didn't they have a deal? Uh, it's like a Hollywood deal or when you're a, a, a music group. Okay, you go out on tour and they don't tell you they're, you're, you're, you're going to have to pay for everything on the tour. So now they're back charging all the owners of the farm. So well, we got to do this rig. We got to do these extra charges. We're going to do them against your revenues. I so, tell you know what I'd do if I was one of those farmers. I'd say my check better be here tomorrow or all this equipment. Ain't going to be working tomorrow. That's exactly right, folks. All right, I don't understand why those farmers are sitting there because I would make sure that nothing on my farm worked. All right? And then you see who's charging who. Chinese currency. We got just a minute, two to go. Looks like there's going to be another huge, major, Soros, big theft of Chinese currency that is now in the basket. The yuan is now officially in the basket with uh, the euro, the dollar, the yen, and now China is being set up to fail big time with the credit default swaps, the debt swaps. They're really called credit default swaps, but they're really debt swaps when you go bankrupt. I don't know why they call them credit default. Maybe because that steers you away from the real. You're basically, it's a debt swap. Obfuscation. That's why. Oh, okay. These are dishonest people, Dean. Get your rose-colored glasses off. 
All right. So I just want to say tonight, if you missed the Scorpion uh, on uh, on CBS tonight, the Scorpion team, I'll, I'll, I'll do a spoiler alert, Scorp, the Team Scorpio goes up against anonymous hackers for um, the CIA who have taken control of a U.S. military aircraft and a 727 and fly it into a tower. Oh, come on. Can't they come up with anything original? But the fact is, they are now admitting, oh, they're taking control robotically. Well, I guess that was always there. So tonight's song, I got to dedicate it to Mandana, who's fighting over her co-op that she got from Sean Penn in her divorce. They're now saying that, oh, only she can live there, not her two daughters and two sons and maid. Can't use it at all because her prime residence is over at her townhouse. And so she's like saying, excuse me, but I have like several residences and that's my prime residence. So I want to say to Madonna tonight because her brother Chris designed the interior and I used to hang out with Chris Ciccone and uh, Richard Ferrari back in 85. They were really fun. I have to admit that I laughed my butt off. And um, so I really like Chris, your brother, Madonna. But if you really want to burn on Madonna, I want you to get on the horn and tell all the students in New York City that are attending universities to register in New York City at their dorms, which they say is illegal, but it's not. And then I want you to rock the New York State and the New York City vote, the government people in the cities. In fact, you could put out the words to all the students in all the universities in all the big towns, register in the town and rock the vote against the incumbents. You see, Madonna could do that. And guess what? I don't know. I don't think I don't think anybody really listens to Madonna anymore. Oh, if she got out there and she explained to the students how they were being exploited and how they were being overcharged by the universities and that if they went in and registered in their cities, which is totally legal, even if they're living in a dorm, that they could then make sure that the right people, the independents, get in across the cities, state and nationwide. It would rock local politics. And with that, Frank, I sent you the song. I don't know if you had time to download it. Oh, I'm amazing that way. Yeah, I got it. And you were late. And, you know, uh, well, I know I'm late. You know, so we uh, no gold star in your column today, but hey, you could just you could salvage it to a silver star, you know, if you do if you do real good in the silver. Deutsche Bank only deals in gold. And they are going into bankruptcy, folks. Why? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. When you say that, now, last week I read Duschbank there in Germany. Uh, they had a deal with the gold where people who buy gold and they, you know, they get these certificates. And, uh, you know, Duschbank holds it for them. Well, now they cannot, they've decided we're not, we're not giving physical gold. We'll give you the cash, which is worthless you know, for, you know, whatever your certificate is, but you cannot take physical delivery of the gold as they said you could. That's, so I don't know what do you mean they're only dealing in gold. is going bankrupt. I know that. And why are they going bankrupt? 
because they're going to get rid of all their credit default swaps that way. Well, when we get back. Once Deutsche Bank goes back, and see, they've already transferred any of the main assets to another bank. So you're telling me they don't have the gold. No, they never did. And, And Deutsche Bank is now a shell. Okay, not like, well, like Royal Dutch Shell. They're basically a shell, folks. The credit default swaps, they're going to go bankrupt. So then that way, they could just cancel all of them out, and Germany won't be uh, holding the bank, the uh, Bundestag. It was all planned from the get-go, folks. All right. That's why Deutsche Bank did it. We are at break time, so we're going to take a break. All right, hit it, Frank. And this is... Uh, for
Vincent from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. Unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com. Or simply call 316 316- You've just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have SelfDefenseFund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit SelfDefenseFund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. We've been waiting for a long time. Yes, we've been 
Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's Monday, October 3rd, 2016. 9.40 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. That's when it is where you're at. We're live. TheAmericanVoice.com or AmericanVoiceRadio.com. And uh, we will bring Dean Lauren back on here. And I just want to say that my song was way better than anything Madonna ever thought about doing. Welcome back, Dean. That was Mamas and the Papas, baby. But uh, that was actually from, uh, I, I, almost, I should have probably the Monterey Long Pop ago, version. long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, when you were young and beautiful. Yeah. So, I was um, never beautiful, Dean. I was handsome. Oh, okay. Okay. Was. <laughs> you know, so. Uh, anyway. What was hey, it they, hey, it beats being dead. So anyway. What was it? Well, not by much. What was what was the name of the group? The Bus Boys. Oh, I've heard of them. Well, yeah, that that at, that song actually made them famous because they were in uh, Beverly Hills Cop uh, uh, soundtrack. Oh, okay. So, 
before we were so rudely interrupted by Frank, uh, we need to discuss three things. AFRICOM. Then again. Yeah, we have to talk about Africa being raped of all its minerals. We're going to talk about the credit default swaps that Deutsche Bank is defaulting on with everything. And we also need to talk about uh, the agriculture. Uh, what is the uh, consolidations by Monsanto and Bear? And uh, let's see, where is it? Uh, Syn- Syngenta Chem and Chem China and Dow and DuPont. Now, the biggest ones that are scary is Bayer and Monsanto. Nazi, Nazi, Nazi. Bayer is IG Farben. And Monsanto is based... Now, you realize, folks, that almost 80% of America's heartland has been sterilized using these pesticides, herbicides, and uh, weed retardants. Nothing will grow out there, folks, for seven years, if any. If something was to hit the United States agriculture right now, we would be wiped out in starvation. Now, Frank, we are facing the largest harvest in world history. Everybody, exhale, take a deep breath. The largest harvest in world history, and guess what, Frank? The farmers lost money. Hmm. How could you have the largest harvest in history and the farmers going into bankrupt? Because they're idiots, that's why. Okay, they bought into this, what they did was they bought into this corporate plan. You know what, what it's akin to? It's akin to somebody who has a restaurant, and they're doing fine, and, they're, and, and you know, it's a mom and pa restaurant, and they're doing okay, and they're paying their bills, and they got a little extra money, maybe take a vacation every year. And then a franchise comes in and says, hey... How's about you uh, buying our franchise? You'll make all these kinds of all these all this super money. So you do it, and it costs you everything. And then it turns out nobody likes your crap food, so you go out of business with nothing. And that's what's happening to the farmers. See, they sold out the mom and pa store, and now they're selling McDonald's crap. And everybody's waking up and saying, you know what? We don't like this garbage. Okay, this is garbage. A farmer, if he had any sense at all, the only protection for you guys right now, and you do have to do some land reclamation, but you know what? Fine. You might not be able to do organic immediately because your ground is polluted, but you know what? You could get back to good farming practices and and just grow normal food, and you would have a market. Okay? You would have a market because... People are starting to go, look, I don't want to buy genetically modified food. I want to buy organic. And organic is, like, super expensive. You know, it's too bad there's not something. Well, actually, there is something. We have some, uh, a little, like, I don't know what you'd call it, a little uh, uh, grocery stand 
that sells not organic necessarily vegetables, but they're not GMOs either. They're done with good farming practices, you know, kind of like they used to do in the 30s and 40s and 50s and all that, right? You know, just normal, you fertilize if you have to, you don't if you don't have to. If you if your stuff's being eaten by bugs, you spray it. If it ain't, you don't. That sort of thing. But I, I don't see any hope for the farmers, man. If they keep on the same course they're on, these corporations are going to put them out of business. Now, they're betting the whole thing on waxy corn. I don't even know what, the, what is that. It's some kind of corn that has hidden genes in other uh, corn breeding programs. And it, let's see what it says here. It's, um, they, it has no amylostarch. So it's, it only has amylopectin. So it's sort of like clumps together. Okay. Why is that good? I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought you were going to tell me some amazing, new, wonderful corn thing, and I just, okay, it clumps together. Why is that good? Um, I, I'm looking, folks, and I have no idea why this is. It's the percentages of starch, oil, and protein were all within normal range. Oh, uh, it's, well, it's normal. That's good. Uh. I, I just don't even see the benefit of this. Well, maybe, it has maybe, to do with uh, they used it when tapioca was, like, cut off. You know, I know what it is. I just ask too many questions. That's all. Okay. <laughs> That's got to be it, right? Oh, it, it resists blight. Oh, well, there you go. Boy, you wonder how they got through, you know, growing corn for thousands of years without this. Hmm? I wonder. Oh, yeah, and uh, and cattle gain more weight on it. Ah, uh, okay, and and that's what we need now that they've killed, like, what, what, 600,000 dairy cows just so they could boost the price of milk? Right, and so what we're going to have is fat Americans with fat cattle. But at least right. California will be taxing them for farting. Yeah, there we go. There's at least that. All right. So, but, you know, they're having all these, like James Collin, executive vice president of the Agriculture Division of DuPont, Tim Hassinger, president of CEO of Dow AgroSciences, Eric Frywall, CEO of Syngenta, Jim Bloom, president and CEO of Bear Crop Sciences North America, Rob Fraley, executive vice president. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.